internet, you're tuned in to episode 58 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my ever-present antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown. Hey, I'm here to make fun of Pete and tell him why all the things he likes are bad. And for some reason, I've elected to allow you to be one of my closest friends for <laughs> nearly 15 years. Um, but, the, you know, the privilege is yours. <laughs> that's one way of putting Classic. it. Classic. Um, but that's why I have my steadfast companion, the Edge Lord with the heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. A little sweetness with that salt. <laughs> like, uh, what is it? Uh, Vic vinegar and uh, honey. A little honey <laughs> with your vinegar. <laughs> yeah, you, real you estate salesman. Like, you guys are like uh, p- putting you both together. It's like salted caramel. You know, it's like uh, I can I can handle it a little bit. Okay, and I like that. Rounding out the fearsome foursome, the esports dynamo herself, the invisible woman, Miss Peggy Ford. Yeah, Windows 10 is not great. <laughs> Webcams! <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so I'm going to start the show off the way we never do, by with a heavy heart telling you that today will be Peggy's last episode as a full-time pal. Uh, she's moving on to greener pastures with the ESL, but Peggy, why don't you explain to the pals at home what you're going to be doing and why they won't be seeing you anymore. Yeah, well, usually it's just the webcam, but this time it's... (laughs) Thank you. Um, There has been a couple opportunities that have have come up. I'm very excited about them, and I hope that if you're into esports, you're into esports production, you could be as well. Um, But um, but yeah, there's just been a lot of of really fun, exciting times, and it's gotten really busy, and uh, something really had to give, and unfortunately it was the pals. But uh, I still love these guys. You know, they're, they're my pals. They're my video game pals. Yeah, I know. Except Pete. And then the entire... You know what? Get the fuck out. You know what? Just leave. Just leave. (laughs) I'll finish this show with these two fucking losers. But yeah, uh, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I wish I could have done a lot more, but uh, unfortunately, uh, or I guess fortunately, kind of, in a weird way, um, with with the opportunities that I'm getting elsewhere, it's kind of a a feel-good, bittersweet moment, so... There's a lot of emotions. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we'll be very upset to see you go, but uh, we're happy that, you know, for the reason that you're leaving. So, um, you know, hopefully all you pals at home, you know, keep up with Peggy at MariahOW over on Twitter. Uh, you can keep up with all the stuff she's got going on. Uh, I'm sure this will not be her last appearance on the show, but... Um, no, y'all might got me be... for our finals, at least. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know so... what? Actually, no. No what? No. Tell all. The reason why I'm leaving VGP is because of your goddamn love of water Pokemon. I can't Good. take it. I Good. Done... I've, been trying to, I've been trying to get rid of you since we brought you on, Tension so... Has been Boiling, no pun intended. One more week, like let's go. Squirtle. We gave her the pals bump. You know, she comes on our show, and all of a sudden she's famous. Like, right? Fucking pals bump. That's what Wait, she was can doing. Can I do that too? Let's all cash in right now. Let's all go. Sorry, Pete, but uh, you know, that's why Sean's not here. You know, he already cashed in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sean is. Uh, he just got hired by the WWE, so he's out too. Um, so. Uh, Obviously, Peggy, congratulations. Um, you know, we're happy for you. Uh, but we still got one more show with you, so let's jump into it. Of course, I don't. I should have just let you go because there's so much Pokemon stuff this week. I don't, I don't know if I want to yeah, hear what you have man. to say. But uh, all right, so let's let's jump into it the way we sometimes do by talking about what we're playing this week. Uh, Andy got a chance to jump into Mario Tennis's, uh, I don't know if it's a beta, demo, whatever you want to call it, but... Early access uh, was this last weekend. Everybody got a chance to jump in and play it. Andy's got some hot takes for us. What are your thoughts? 
Um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a Mario Tennis game, and that's really all it had to be. Like, it's it's good times. I really enjoy playing Waluigi, because, of course. Because <laughs> um, he's your spirit animal? He is my spirit animal. Um, so every character has, like, their special shot where you can, you know, press L when your meter's full, and it plays, like, a cute little animation. Mario jumps off some walls. Bowser breathes fire on his racket while luigi spins around with a goddamn rose in his teeth yes <laughs> nice <laughs> that's amazing he deserves that it's it's perfect um but yeah the game's a lot of fun i wish i was better at it but we'll get there i'm really thinking that i might end up picking this game up and i didn't think i was gonna before that demo so awesome that's great man i'm glad to hear it um we can get some online stuff going cool yeah yeah, I, uh, I didn't jump into the demo because I was just a little preoccupied this weekend, and uh, this is already a day one purchase for me unless the demo came out and was trash. So um, the fact that the resounding opinion seems to be positive um, from what I've seen from Nintendo fans, it's uh, definitely a game I'm very much looking forward to sinking my teeth into. Yeah, um, my only critique of the demo is that Chain Chomp is a playable character, but Luigi was not. <laughs> wow. Even in demos, they don't like Luigi. They get Waluigi was playable, but Luigi wasn't. Yep. Yeah. It starts with Mario, Yoshi, Peach and Bowser. And then as you play the demo, you can unlock Waluigi, Toad, Spike, Rosalina, the Chain Chomp, and I'm forgetting somebody. Bowser? But not Luigi. (laughs) But not Luigi. What a slap in the face. He's at his mansion. Is the other guy? Fair enough. That's fair. You can't unlock Wario either. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, maybe that's, yeah. that's a little bit better. Yeah. yeah come on, man. It's they have fun. Chain Chomp before Luigi. I mean, <laughs> Luigi's rich and has a mansion. What does Chain, Chain Chomp, Chomp have? He's fucking the greatest defensive tennis player there ever is because it's so goddamn big and just, like, spins around. And it's like, oh, you're halfway across the court? Nope. I'm Chain Chomp. That's cool. Is he tied to a post? No. He Damn. just has a chain that flows behind him. All right, so you so you're thinking day one purchase or maybe not day one, but probably at some point. All right, okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it too. So uh, I'm sure we'll have more to say about Mario Tennis when the game drops later this month. Um, yeah, just a few short weeks out. So definitely uh, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Uh, so then Thompson wanted to talk a bit about uh, I believe it's Conan Exiles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So Conan Exiles, uh, it's like a Survival MMO, kind of like Ark. It's almost incredibly yeah. similar to Ark if you've ever played it. Uh, little, it's it's a little grindy. I'm not gonna lie. Like the game's janky. You know, like okay, it's not the greatest game. Were I to rate it on just solo, I would say it's pretty shitty. But I've been playing with like eight of our friends, and uh, so I jumped in, and you know, they're just like, hey, we're at this base. Go over here. Went over there. Didn't realize we were in a war with another like a, another established <laughs> level three, you know, top tier shit clan. Uh, so I got thrown into the the grinder like right away. Um, but so, you know, let me just like lay down this 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 story for you real quick. The War of Norse Aggression. Um, a good time had by all, especially the people we destroyed. So in any case, uh, <laughs> uh, we couldn't blow their base up, but they could certainly blow ours up. So they had favorable aggressive tactics and we had better defensive tactics. Anything they could blow up, we could rebuild. Uh, after a week of constantly raiding their base and leveling up very, very quickly... Uh, we established our own base, 
destroyed every single production line they had and just stagnated them into oblivion. So they had to they had to take action against us, right? So they finally blow our base up. In one solid night, I'm sitting there. I made a brewery for our friends. We come back from blowing up this giant stairwell that they made. We called it Operation Stairmaster. We handed out five gold coins and a few ales. So <laughs> no joke. We're sitting there drinking, and then the lights go out, and the base starts shaking as they fire trebuchets at us. And it's like, oh, fuck. Oh we God. are fucking screwed. I look over, and our friend Joey has a room. His room is collapsing. Our friend Kyle has a room. His room is collapsing. All their shit is just blowing up. Uh, we got fucking slaughtered. Like, like just animals. They came in and just gutted <laughs> us, dude. They fucking killed us so hard. And we scattered to the jungle. The next day, we were all pretty pissed. This was... Um, last night so we rebuilt the base like literally three times as big as it used to be created three new bases and destroyed their production lines again uh we created this one thing in the game which can create avatars of gods which are like nukes they are equivalent to nukes we were this close to being north korea with an actual nuke uh they saw this shit and came over as soon as eight o'clock hit when pvp starts and they blew it up but then they left and all of a sudden, they just left, and they sat outside our base. And we're like, what the fuck's going on? We got communications from them over over PlayStation for the last three days of them saying things like, oh, we're going to you know, destroy your base. We're never going to let you live. And like, we know where you are. And like, we kept saying nothing back. Complete dead silence. We gave them guerrilla <laughs> tactics. We destroyed their hope and spirit. So they gave us a message saying that they were impressed with our resolve. They were impressed with our... Uh, military tactics and they wanted to give us a severance package of a thousand steel bars which is like literally a week's worth of things <laughs> as long as we fuck? just leave them the fuck alone <laughs> so we won we became america and we won the war of 1812 we lost every single battle but we still won the war i just want to point that out it's, like, don't fuck it's with really our not the, worth the resources to continue this conflict anymore please take a thousand dollars and fuck off it took them so much shit to blow our base up the second time that we just literally said like we'll call their bluff come blow us up every night we don't even give a shit and it just they came to terms with us so we, so we became fucking gorillas and uh we won we won a massive war that we shouldn't have won i'm really proud to say this but uh it lasted for 12 days and they capitulated and we lost every fight. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's we the beauty of those constantly. kinds of games. <clears throat> what a god. Jesus. That's, <laughs> we, such, we a, got... that's such a fan. And this took over, like, this took, like, the span of two weeks, right? To, about two weeks. Like, from the first initial firebombing that they destroyed our base, and then I joined seven days ago. Um, so, like, I jumped in and just got, like, thrown into this. And there had been no fights since then. So, from seven days ago to now this all just culminated <laughs> like that we destroyed their shit so fast that they couldn't rebuild it and they took so many resources to blow our shit up uh in the game it's like a hundred of this one resource which takes two hours to make they used 150 bombs in one night i don't think that they had that many more because the next night they came with grenades and not bombs so we were they said they're gonna <laughs> blow us up every night and we we're like okay come you don't have that many <laughs> what I'm, what I'm hearing here is that thompson was the prince who was promised he arrived and turned the tide of the war <laughs> Well, I, I got to the highest level on our on our clan, right? And I was the one who needed the thing which summons the god. I also got promoted to chief commissar of spiritual and morale uh, advisory. So basically, I had to keep the spirits up. And we praised this one god who was named Yag, Yag Sathath. So um, I put like about 150 signs around bases. Oh, the best thing is during this war, every single day, we would leave a, a box of rotted meat outside of their home with a sign that says, Yag remembers. And we never fucking <laughs> stopped tormenting them. But they tormented us through PlayStation messages. It was really fucking annoying when I got, like, spammed. Like, in the course of one hour, this one guy gave me 150 messages. Like, 
Good it was Lord. really obnoxious. So I'm glad that's over. But the war has come to a terms, and we got our steal last night. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the most Thompson games I've ever heard of. So yeah, if you guys want to get involved in brutal turf wars uh, and worship the old gods, Conan, Exiles, check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's just like play it with a friend because the game sucks on solo. <laughs> God I feel damn. like I feel like that's true of m- many of those games. Is that like they're not oh, great yeah. games, but they're a great time with oh, other Oh, they people. are for sure. But this one I can highly recommend it. Like, all right, awesome, so much better than Ark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ark was a game that I loved the uh, like the the idea of it, you know. But in practice, it was just not a lot of fun. This um, one's just fun all the time. Real yeah, quick, one more it does thing. Sound fun. To get to the first dungeon boss, you have to kill one of your friends and make a blood sacrifice on the pillar to open the door. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. That's the that's the first boss. It's like we got there and we were like, wait, we can't get in. One of us has to die. We just looked over at the lowest level guy and we we're like, all right, uh, our good friend Spaz from uh, Slack and Slash had to die. <laughs> he was the sacrifice. Slit his throat so we could enter the I holy the temple. I had the honor of killing him. That's great. He paved the way for our success. <laughs> All right. So as for me, um, I don't. I, I have just a small thing to report, um, just because I think it's kind of funny. Uh, I've got several games burning a hole in my pocket right now. I haven't finished Far Cry Five. I've still barely scratched the surface of God of War. I got Donkey Kong Country Returns, and I'm using all my free time to play motherfucking Mega Man Two. <laughs> I have been playing a shitload of the Mega Man Legacy Collection, um, just because those games are so goddamn tight, and it's been really fun. Uh, and the real reason I wanted to bring that up was just to, you know, kind of give a nod to a news story that I didn't feel like was worthy of making the cut, which is that Mega Man 11's got a confirmed release date for October 2nd. I'm very hyped for this, and I'm thinking, I want to try and beat every other Mega Man game before that, and I'm thinking I might start, I might start streaming them. So if you guys have any interest in watching me, um, scream at, uh, Flashman stage or something like that, uh, let me know. Twitch.tv slash loudpeat. Um, I'm thinking about doing it. So hit me up. Let me know if you want to see it and I'll get out there and, uh, get in those trenches. So thankfully, if you do that, the games will get a little easier as you get through. Oh yeah. I mean, I I would think so. No, like Like, when you get to seven, seven's pretty easy. My chops, you know, my chops will be tight. I mean, two and three are like the real hard ones. So. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's like you got to start up with the boulder at the lowest possible point. Exactly. And, it's and, when my, hard. and my skills will be the lowest too. So it's like by the time I get to like, you know, uh, eight and nine, I'm going to be like a fucking champion or nine and ten. Um, hey, you said two and three were the real hard ones. Don't discount Mega Man 1, which isn't so much hard because it's hard as it is hard because it's poorly programmed. Well, that's why I, what I'm going to do is start at two. And then finish with one because one is a fucking super hard game because it's broken and janky. So, So yeah, you leave the boss for last. That makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. Let me know if you if you want to check that out. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get that going sometime next week. Uh, so if you want to let us know what you're playing this week, you can write into the show and hear your thoughts right on the air. Uh, give us a random question of the week or just say hey by dropping us a line at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. You can also follow our sister show at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. And keep up with all the cool stuff we've got going on here at the Pals Network. Uh, we just had a bunch of Wizard World content over the last couple weeks. Um, I'd like to specifically shout out the little mini series we did called Fill Me In. Uh, 
very, very proud of those videos. I think they're super hilarious. Um, I'd appreciate it if you'd go give them a watch, a like, a comment, and uh, let us know what you think about it and if you'd like to see more stuff like that from us. What do you prefer, a pocket watch or a wrist watch from them? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Pocket watch, it's fancier. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, go check that stuff out. We'd really appreciate it. If you're an audio listener, you guys can help out the show by giving us a like on your platform of choice or heading over to Apple Podcasts, where we're currently a five-star rated show and giving us another one of those sweet ratings. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can help us out by liking this video, subscribing to the channel if you haven't already, and clicking that notification bell so that you know when we post our daily videos. And uh, last but not least, best thing you can do is uh, share the show. Let your pals know that we're out here. We're doing a show that you're enjoying and you think they might I like it too. Uh, all of those things are a huge help to us, and as Sean likes to say, they cost you a lot less than they help us. So uh, please do us that solid, help the show out, and uh, yeah, um, I'm usually more elegant transitioning out of that, but I'm tired. So I guess that means it's time for the random question of the week! You didn't even peek. <sighs> I'm tired, Peggy. I'm tired. You're really tired. That's how you're gonna give Peggy a send-off, Pete. Yeah, how... Dare you? Week it's shit. time for the random question of the week. Actually, lied. You did in fact peep the first time. I just wanted you to do it again. Well, well, there you go. You got two for it. All right, two for and one. I'm here to goad you into stuff, so it worked out for me too. <laughs> Alright, so since I've got Mega Man on the brain a bit this week, uh, I've been playing a lot of Mega Man, I'm looking forward to Mega Man 11, I've been thinking, what game would you guys most like to see a Mega Man Legacy style collection of? Uh, So not necessarily a remaster, I know we've kind of done a version of this question before, I'm talking about, you know... The collection of several games, we got the art galleries, we got the music, we've got commercials, we've got, you know, just, just one of those nice little fan dealies, you know, your, your rare replays, your Mega Man Legacy collections. What do you think? And Peggy, I want you to go first. Um... <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I, I knew that was a setup. <laughs> All right, Andy, why don't you go first? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, I got one if you need. Um, Thompson, you go first. <laughs> this one's easy for me, man. Uh, Castlevania, like, up and down. There is a million of them I haven't actually played because there was, like, fucking three or four on the DS, and I only played two of them. Uh, there's, like, there's 30 been, Castlevanias. Yeah, I mean, please. There's <laughs> there's probably, one, like, a more than I don't even know. Um, I mean, obviously, like, I'm a huge fan of, like, most of the games. There's some shitty ones, like the 64 one, which was just shitty because they were like, hey, it has to be 3D, and it didn't need to be 3D. But mm-hmm. beside that, um, I'm a big, big fan, and I've missed out on a ton of them. You know, having something like the Mega Man Collection, you know, there's just 10 games in it. Um, they could package 10 Castlevanias. I I know there's 10. You know? <laughs> uh, there's probably 20. So, hell, you could probably do two sets even. Um but yeah, oh, man. easily fucking yeah. easily you could do the original yeah. like nes collection with the super nintendo stuff and then you could do like a volume two with like symphony of the night and the games that came after on the ds and everything i mean the games that came after that's yeah 10 alone right so um yeah let's just get rid of the 64 when we're fine uh, you know i don't care <laughs> no, just, that. just keep it to the side scrolling ones <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's a good ps2 one in there that i didn't play also um that our one friend uh, Adam played a ton. Whoa, what was that? Hmm? The fuck was that? What was what? Something. No, just I really, came I really don't know what you're talking your... about. Wait, what? 
It sounded like, like yeah, a, it sounded like a radio, like a cop or yeah. somebody on the radio. Yeah, like coming through your. It's like breaker, breaker. Yeah, it was one of those. It was yeah. Peggy's air. She's air dropping opinions <laughs> because she doesn't know what collection she'd like to see. So she had to get out her ham radio and uh, no, connect. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I have one now. So when Thompson's done, I can do it. But oh, he's done. Go I'm ahead. Done. Oh, yeah. hey. Okay. So <laughs> the reason why it was like really hard for me was because. Like, all the ones I would have said already have them. So, like, Elder Scrolls. Hmm. Oh, okay, never mind. Because I have that. It's the anthology collection, and it's for, like, PC, and, and you get a map with it. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. even Sly, for hell's sake. So, there is a wow, Sly really? Cooper collection, and yeah, it's on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yeah, for PS4. Isn't oh, it's it? on PS4? I'm pretty sure. Hmm. I don't actually... I Don't quote me on that. I actually don't know. But, but, uh, but yeah, like, there's even one for that. And I was like, well... Shit. Uh, so I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a a wild card. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a a, a curveball here. And Overwatch. There's only one. <laughs> <laughs> I want on one single disc or like whatever the entire Pokemon anthology, all of the games ever to have been created. I want all of them on one disc. I mean, I will play none of them, but I want to see them try. I would love that. Um, I just like knowing Pokemon. Like they can make so much money by doing the exact opposite. Oh yeah, and just no, 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 they five never bucks will. A piece, whatever. Like yeah, they never will. <laughs> I want Pokemon Snap. Imagine. Yeah, no, I would love that. Imagine with, the hype. Yeah, with like Pokebank support, where it's just like, all right. You can play through all the gens. You can yeah. transfer all your Pokemon to the modern games. Let's do it. Simplify it. Give you a straight line. I'd love that. I would love that. All right. Pokemon Super Gold and Silver, where leveling goes to like a thousand, and you just keep going to every new region <laughs> after you finish the Elite Four before it. All right. Now you're talking about wish lists, bro. Let's. Uh... <laughs> yeah. No. No. Sorry. Sorry. Um question because i have two and one of them depends on the answer to the rules of this okay. game if a bunch of games in one of them never got translated to english can i request a translation involved in a fire emblem legacy collection i knew it was fire emblem then <laughs> mm, i'll allow it but you have to give us the other one too okay uh the other one already kind of exists but i'd love to see metal gear solid released as one that'd be fun big ass it's like they have one but there hasn't been one there's been new ones since the last time they did it right there's there's one that came out like six years ago for the ps3 yeah it was on xbox as well it's like uh well sort of it was it was two three and peace walker on xbox okay right and then it was like there was a weird way where you could play the original mgs like through the menu of two or something like that right um, it was the original Metal Gear. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. the uh, it's like the yeah. good version too. It's not the NES one. It's the um, the right. Yeah, it's the MSX. Yeah. yeah. So, I'd love to see like a big Fire Emblem release, especially because like Nintendo is pushing that series now. Yeah, yeah. For sure. It feels um, like it feels like a good opportunity to like let people look backward if they're into it now. You know, of like, hey, here's yeah. all these great RPGs you've never touched. For sure. And, like, especially because the first eight games were the most powerful thing they were on as a Super Nintendo or a Game Boy Advance. So, 
It's not like it'd be super hard to get that running on Switch. Yeah, yeah, you just have to work on the translation for the ones that haven't been done. But, I mean, that's worth doing anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's definitely, like, like, Fire Emblem matters now in the States, in the West in general. So, like, I think filling in that um, (laughs) legacy uh, is is important for that brand, you know, Um, to continue to build it up as a pillar of Nintendo's catalog. So, yeah, I think that would be a great pick. Um, for me, my choices are, like, very, very, uh, like, they're, they're no-brainers, they're standards, they're not anything that I think is a a great revelatory thing, but Mario and Zelda, like, you know, like, let's do, like, let's just do Mario All-Stars on the Switch, you know? Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily need the, like, up-resed version of the original Super Mario Brothers that was on that cart, um, I kind of prefer the NES original, but, um... Yeah, I mean, that that is, like, to me, the best cartridge that was ever made. It's got Mario 1, 2, and 3 and World on it. How do you fucking beat that? Um, give me that again. Kirby Superstar Saga? Superstar Saga is, like, number two. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, let's, like, give me, give me those four games and, you know, like, Mario Land, Mario Land 2, you know, like, get just all of the, like, tight 2D Mario platformers on one one cartridge, um, that would be superb. And then I think for Zelda, um, I'd probably keep it smaller. I'd say go Zelda 1, 2, and then um, Link to the Past, and then like I maybe Awakening. And I, I like everything else is optional at that point. I feel like those four are really the backbone of like Zelda pre-Ocarina. So I think getting those four games on one one collection would also be uh, like something I would love to see. Give me Zelda CD or give me death. I'll give you death. <laughs> Excuse me, princess. <laughs> so uh, if you guys want to let us know what game you'd like to see a legacy collection of, you can let us know in the comments down below or hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Um, also, give me a random question so I don't have to produce this segment. All right, so I guess that means it's time for... The news, the news, we're talking about the news, the news, the news. All right, so we've got a pretty packed list this week. Six items, uh, some of them pretty freaking meaty. So let's jump right into it. Uh, E3 is right around the corner, but we're somehow still getting freaking bombs dropped left and right this week. Uh, So I wanted to kick things off with what I think is one of the most exciting stories, definitely one of the biggest, uh, which is that Bethesda has confirmed a new game in the Fallout franchise, Fallout 76. So uh, I'm going to just, you know, read a little bit from an article courtesy of Jason, what an actual video game journalist looks like, Schreier, over at Kotaku, uh, who, you know, used his uh, sources to kind of pick around, fill in some gaps here. Jason writes, When Bethesda announced Fallout 76 with a teaser trailer this morning promising more information at E3, it was easy to assume that the game would be a traditional single-player role-playing game. But Fallout 76 is in fact an online survival survival RPG, excuse me, that's heavily inspired by games like Daisy and Rust and Conan, <laughs> according to three people familiar with the project. Those people, speaking anonymously as uh, to not damage their careers, confirm that Fallout 76 is an experimental new entry in the long-running post-apocalyptic series. When Bethesda first teased the game on Tuesday morning, fans and pundits speculated that it might be a Fallout 3 remaster or a new Vegas-style spinoff in a new location. But as Kotaku reported that afternoon, it is in fact something completely new and completely different. The teaser might lead Fallout fans to believe that this is a traditional entry in the series, but according to our sources, that's not the case. 
Originally prototyped as a multiplayer version of Fallout 4 with the goal of envisioning what an online Fallout game might look like, Fallout 76 has evolved quite a bit over the past few years, those sources said. It will still have quests and a story like any other game from Bethesda Game Studios, a developer known for meaty RPGs like Skyrim. It will also feature base building, just like 2015's Fallout 4, and other survival-based and multiplayer mechanics, according to those sources. One source cautioned that the gameplay is rapidly changing, like it does in many online, quote, service games. But that is the core outline. Uh, so the game is uh, named after series Vault 76, which has been mentioned in both Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. According to, according to Fallout lore, Vault 76 was meant to be open just 20 years after the nuclear war, allowing a far less civilized setting than previous games. Fallouts 3 and 4, which are full of cities and settlements, both take place over 200 years after the war, after much of the population has had time to reconstruct human civilization. Fallout 76 will fear, feel very different, as the narrator of the trailer says, when the fighting is stopped and the fallout has settled, you must rebuild. Build. So the f- no, go ahead. Oh, cool. I was gonna say. So in in the lore, um, if anyone doesn't know, Fallout shelters like the entire like thing. Fall uh, Vault One One One, Vault whatever vaults were in the other ones. Um, there was always some sort of weird thing to them. Like the entire point was that the people who made the vaults, Vault Tech, were actually running experiments in those vaults. Um, so, 70, Vault 77, for example, was inhabited by one person and a crate of puppets, if I remember correctly. Uh, or maybe it was 75. Either way, um, 76 was one is of the Gary? very- Gary, you meant? The one yes. with Gary? Yeah. I believe so. 76 is the one that is the control vault, so nothing bad happened to those people in that vault. So- this is the first time that we're actually seeing what an actual vault from Vault Tech would have looked like had they been, you know, not monsters. So yeah, because I think it's like there are like a handful of them that are control groups. One yeah. that is showed up in uh, Fallout Two. It's Vault City, which is near New Reno, and Vault City was used by the Enclave because they were the, they considered to be pure, untainted humans. So when the Enclave, uh, post American government, uh, was in cahoots with Vault Tech. They had a few control vaults so that they could use those people for population later on. Uh, it was all because they wanted to leave the Earth. Like, that's literally the whole plan is that let's go to space. Every vault was an experiment to see how it would affect living on a different world or the space travel. Clearly, that didn't work out. Right. Well, your mileage will vary. The spaceship um, blew up. It didn't work out. But yeah, so, so this is incredibly interesting for a number of reasons. Um, obviously, the, the gameplay elements there are totally different from anything we've ever seen in Fallout, with the exception of some mechanics returning with base building and stuff like that. But um, So that's obviously an interesting wrinkle. I'm actually more interested by the lore element, you know, the idea that it's, you know, the earliest we've ever seen in the timeline that isn't the pre-bomb scenes in Fallout 4 is uh, super fascinating because I think one of the coolest things about Fallout is the culture of the wasteland. Um, so getting to see a period where that's not really developed is uh, really enticing to me, you know, and getting to see like a generation of people who remember what the world was like before the bomb, like still being around and stuff like that, along with you'll presumably a new generation who's only grown up in the vault, right? Um, there's a lot that you can do there with that. And, and I feel like it's really... Um, a pretty unique direction for them to take things. So what was what was your overall reaction to this news? Um, Thompson, I'd like to start with you because I think you're probably the biggest Fallout fan of the, the three of you. So what are your what are your takes on this? Are you interested in this game? Uh, initially, I, I wasn't because, you know, like I, I really like the single player aspect of everything and all that. But, you know, I started thinking about it and like they're never going to go back to the isometric stuff and 
Um, if anything, we would just get like Fallout Four, but in a different setting. You know, just Fallout with more, Five with more pizzazz. You know, yeah. But it would be that style for sure. And um, it did disappoint me in that game that I couldn't. Um, you know, that's the way the games are now. So I couldn't go and take all these bases I made and really have them tested against anything. And, you know, I really did feel like a prototype for like a PvP kind of survival thing. Uh, granted, like the people I'm playing Conan with right now, uh, all of us are nerds on Fallout. We have always done very much like just turns on like New Vegas for like years. You know what I mean? We would all like hang around and that would be like the game. You know, it's a single player game, but it would it would just have all of us doing it, you know? Um, so uh that's that's like my core thing you know about like why i liked you know most of these games anyway so this is actually like at home for what the series felt like it should be in four i feel you know and like initially i wasn't hot on this but the more i thought about it and it's like this this is probably you know it's a bethesda game so like i'm i'm gonna give them some rope to hang themselves with uh for sure, sure. um so like i'm definitely a fan uh about what they make and i love fallout like I love everything about it, you know, like uh, even the, the stupid tactics game. I like, so I'm definitely like really into this, especially like you're saying with the timeline, like part of the reason I love the game so much is how much lore there is in every game and how much it like really just feels like a unique experience. And you can see like the growth of civilization again, uh, you know, based on the areas and even directly from one to two. Uh, it's, it's crazy to see in two that when you start up, you're at a temple and like there's a vault uh, suit and people just don't know what the hell it is because you're a tribe and you're just like, there's this magic suit. And like, oh my God, it has a number 13 on it. I have no fucking idea why. But you're the chosen one because you okay. have the suit. And it's just like that concept has always been like you being the chosen one or like the blown wanderer or whatever they want to call you. Um, makes a lot of sense for a survival game like this, especially where the bombs have just dropped because there wasn't anything left. There wasn't even from Fallout 1. Um, the NCR that everyone remembers from New Vegas and stuff and, and uh, how big they were and how, how massive of a, like, you know, territory they held. That was one village. That was the one in Fallout 1. And I think this takes place even before that. I don't remember because, like, the yeah, first yeah, one is, like, maybe 70 years after the bombs. Yeah, this, this is, like is 20, definitely the so. earliest game on the timeline for sure. There's a couple records here and there that talk about dudes surviving in the first year or two of it um, because everything like EMP'd out. So like the wasteland wasn't necessarily the mutated hellhole that everyone knows. Just the world was essentially like in a nuclear hellhole for the first 20 years. Um, but the crazy wild things that like, you know, how there's like just sawtooth fish everywhere and the world's effed up. That shit didn't really happen yet. So I'm curious to see how much of that is going to be in the game, you know? I'm sure there's going to be monsters and stuff, but it, yeah, hasn't, had, it hasn't had 200 years of it, you know? Yeah, that's something I'm interested to see too is like how do they play with those things because like some of that stuff you have to think is like nature responding to the oh, fallout. Oh, it is. It is, yeah. Well, Versus there's also like, a mutagenic virus that went out like three different times. So like that's part right. of it too. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, like, how far along things are. Like, are we going to even see, like, super mutants? Like, you know, are there going to be, like, more no, animalistic versions of them? Because, like, they haven't evolved in that way to be, like, ghouls and, and sentient, you know, super mutants. Like, maybe it'll be Dude, more animalistic humans and stuff you'd like see. that. Will we discover that the human gene for cleaning has disappeared after the bombs. <laughs> you won't see any uh, super mutants because they weren't uh, created at the Mariposa base yet with the evolution virus from Fallout 1, which is 70 years in or so, I think. You know, you'll see a ton of ghouls because they were dressed up just after the bombs dropped. So, like... I mean, like... That, they might that's... have, like, a proto-super mutant. Yeah, I was gonna say, that. that's, like, 
all really cool in terms of lore, but don't, I would say don't expect Bethesda to really hold the lore so close to the vest, because this oh, is, at the end of the day, this is an MMO sort of thing, so, like, I don't know if Death Claws were here by, by now, but, like, I can see them bringing all the fan favorites without any regard to to lore at all. Mm. Um, because then why would it like why would you play if that makes sense? Why would you play if you wouldn't go up against a Deathclaw if Deathclaws weren't there for another like twenty years or something? Like I I I wouldn't expect them to be lore friendly in the face of fans getting fan favorites to play against in the game. That's interesting. I don't. I don't know, though. I guess just because I and, and I don't. Not to say that I think that you're wrong. I guess it's just like I wish I knew more about how they handle lore in ESO. Because um, um, I feel like that's probably a pretty good. They keep it consistent enough for the time. Yes, I would like, agree with that. Yeah, they do retcon a little. You know, kind Cause of. Because I, I, think my thing is, why would they set it at this part in the timeline unless they were going to experiment with lore and what Fair. that means? You know. Yeah. The big thing um, is that ESO, the Enclave would be the big guy now. And they never were, like, in mass in the late games, you know? This would be where they have all their assets. One thing I will say, though, um, to your point, Peggy, I could see them doing some retconning here of, like, oh, the we, we thought that the earliest recorded Deathclaw was yeah, here, but okay. actually there were some others and all these people died or whatever, so that's why we didn't know about it, or we didn't really have good records of this period of history, so we don't really know what was happening because none of that stuff's been explored in the other games, so you could ask the question of, well, why don't we have a record of those things? And it's like, well, uh, Ooh, game I reason. Something. We've never had a game take place outside of America, and we know that there's a bunch of vaults that haven't been listed, and like, who knows? Maybe this one's in like Europe or like South this America. This one's in West Virginia. Is it? Yeah, no, yeah, we already know oh, it's in Virginia. Oh, the entire the yeah, entire no. song is dead. It says like is is it's, like it's, West Virginia. Yeah, well, it's country it's, roads. John, it's uh, yeah, it's John Denver's Country Roads, which mm. is all about West Virginia. Fucking well, I mean, I'm supposed don't to know that use from that music. Song in a trailer because I will be humming it for yep. years. Yep, that's why they used it. Well, I don't know music, so <laughs> yeah. Um, also, well, that's cool uh, too because that's never had. There's never been one in, in West Virginia, or even like the, no. the closest one being DC. Um, yeah, we've never had which one is, in the American which was South. Which pretty shitty. So um, everything's like been in the Southwest except for the two games on the East Coast. So there was one it's... of the DLCs that went to a port somewhere, maybe oh, Georgia, uh, Georgia or something. No, there, there was that too, but there was one that went south more, like a like a even Louisiana possibly. Uh, I can't. Remember. I know they've never done Louisiana because everyone always says they want New Orleans. There, yeah, there's we... something. It was. It was an expansion for three, I think. Well, yeah, let whatever. us know in the comments if you know. Um, but yeah, this is this is pretty interesting um, for a number of reasons. Andy, what, what are your thoughts on this one? I'm like, I'm very much in a wait and see on this one. Yeah, um, I would agree. Because like, if all the stuff about like it's gonna be an online co-op like multiplayer survival game ends up being true, that's great. But it's probably not for me then. Um, and like, I like Fallout, but I don't love Fallout. You love like New Vegas specifically. <laughs> I, I do. I love New Vegas. I love Fallout 1 and 2. I like the like Obsidian Black Isle look at Fallout. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fallout 3 and 4 were not my favorite games. All right. I, can, I totally agree, man. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people that, that share that opinion. But I still play um, shit out of them. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. so we'll have to see on this one. I'm, I'm certainly interested in it, um, but I would say I'm, I'm pretty aligned with you on this one, Andy, where I like Fallout. I'm not the world's yeah, biggest like, Fallout uh, fan, so if this comes out and it speaks to enough of my friends to get yeah, me into it, I'll give it a shot. people who are really hype about this, and I don't want to like take that away from them because I think it could be cool, but yeah. eh, it's probably not going to be for me. I, I agree with you. Um, I'm I'm interested in it, but uh, I think there's a good chance that it comes out, and even if it is good, it's just not really my kind of game, and the amount that I like Fallout isn't necessarily enough to motivate yep. me to play it. Um, I'm most interested in seeing what gaps it fills in in the Fallout timeline, because I've always found that to be super interesting. So we'll see, though. Um, I'd love to love it. So um, see what you got, Bethesda. So speaking of new game announcements, Walmart has leaked yet another new game early. Uh, this time, the new Team Sonic Racing game. Uh, Sega teased a few months back, if you guys will remember. They had that little oh event. God, you know, they teased a bunch of shit. We got the logo, which very clearly was a Sonic Racing nod. Um, so, yeah, now we have confirmation that it exists and a little bit more information about it. Uh, so the game is listed exclusively for Nintendo Switch and is interestingly priced at $39.96. Which um, is interesting. I'm wondering if that's maybe a tactic to try and undersell Mario Kart, similar to uh, what we saw EA do with their basketball brand a couple years ago, where it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You're the top dog. Ours is $20 cheaper. Let's see if people care. Um, So bold move. We'll see how that plays out for them. But uh, the listing includes a bunch of promotional screenshots, which gave us kind of the first look at the game before Sega dropped a very short reveal trailer later that same day. Um, you know, we saw the characters seem to be driving, like, actual cars versus carts this time around. Uh, we got confirmation about unlockable system, upgrades for your vehicles and characters. Uh, there'll be 12 players per race, four-player split screen. There's going to be an offline team adventure mode and a ton of other new features and returning features, which you guys can check out in the article we've linked to down below. Uh, we got the announcement that's going to be coming this winter. So, um, these games have a pretty big cult following. I've, I've never really played them. I know that there are a big contingency of people out there that like them and think they're really good. Um, so I'm really interested to see if this can compete with the juggernaut that is Mario Kart 8, you know? Um, cause I, I've said on this show regularly, I don't think that this is a good market to put out a kart racer in. Cause how do you compete with Mario Kart? But, um, charging $20 less is a pretty good way to do that, I think. So I feel like we need to discuss the elephant in the room right now. He's Sonic the goddamn hedgehog. Why is he driving a goddamn car? He should just be running in this race. Listen, we've got that. We've got Sonic Riders. There's a lot of questions to be asked about this, Andy. We're going to suspend our disbelief here. Listen, you can't I don't know if I can. suspend my disbelief to believe that this hedgehog can roll around at the speed of sound and then ask me to suspend it again to believe that for some reason he's choosing to drive a car that probably doesn't go as fast as he does. <laughs> hey, that was Listen, what we suggested. I mean, I, I don't see why he can't just be in a foot race position. And for but that hey. reason, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> this is not consistent with the Sonic the Hedgehog lore. Yeah, it breaks the immersion, man, like, honestly. My God. Uh, so, Peggy, are are you going to be excited if they bring um, the the love interest from Sonic 06 back? Because I know you're such a big fan of that game and, um, you know, its portrayal of bestiality. I swear to fucking God. <laughs> I thought you were going to be serious about this. Then you go for the fucking meme? Are you kidding me? Oh, it's, it's odd, motherfucker. Meme. You're a meme! <laughs> In all serious th- seriousness, though, P- 
heat. Uh, I don't care about this game at all. <laughs> I, like, racing games are cool, I guess, but, like, it's just, it's just there, you know? And, like, I, I and <sighs> we've never seen Sonic outrace a car, right? No, we've actually we? not oh. raced that truck. Yeah, yeah we that have. doesn't count, though. Uh, what? That's the most memorable moment in the Sonic Adventure franchise, Peggy. No, I'm pretty sure it's when he turns into a werewolf. But, uh, but no. That's not Sonic Adventure, you casual! <laughs> right, sorry, it's when he saved that girl from the thing. Oh, but... when he fought the Black Knight. Yeah, yeah, that one. Oh my god, you guys, stop. <laughs> you started this. King Arthur needed his help. Yeah, I'm just right. reporting the news, alright? <laughs> Sonic is a good I'm just, series. I'm just a, a small town pizza lawyer with a consistent <laughs> quality steel seal of approval every time. Guys, let's just move on. I got places to go. I gotta this follow my rainbow. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna roll around at the speed of sound to the next entry. Thank God. Uh, so the next Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, was also the victim of a leak and then seemingly forced official confirmation um, that I'm going to jump back to Jason Whatareal, actual video games journalist Schreier, uh, said over at Kotaku about Actual it. video game journalist looks like Schreier. Thank you. Okay. It was well, a long see, sentence. It's not all about appearances. I messed can up you, his middle name. Can you name. be a little bit more consistent than the Sonic series, please? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm I'm already more consistent than the Sonic series. Give me that much credit. Hey, the Sonic series was consistently bad for a long time, and then Sonic Mania came out. So Yeah, it was quite the odyssey. Speaking of... Speaking of... Uh, so, the next Assassin's Creed is called Odyssey and will take place in ancient Greece, according to a new report from the French site, Joe Video Live. That's going to be my guess. Je, je video live. Sorry, Frenchies. Which adds that Odyssey is a sequel to last year's Assassin's Creed Origins. Kotaku can confirm this report. And then after that, we got the official uh, confirmation. Did you guys see this? They just shared a gif of, of an assassin Spartan kicking a guy yes. off of a cliff. Uh, <laughs> it says, see at E3. So um, just to give you the original story... Uh, you know, there's been rumors circulating about the next Assassin's Creed for a couple months, um, some of which are fake, some of which were real. Uh, the whole Grease thing had been kind of cons- can, uh, confirmed for a while. And, um, you know, we also got the, you know, the, um, the news that they would be adding more RPG elements. You know, we saw the kind of evolution of Assassin's Creed with uh, Origins, added a lot of kind of deeper Witcher 3-inspired mechanics, and uh, apparently we're going to be having dialogue options in this game for the first time. You'll be able to play as either a male or a female protagonist. Wow, look at that. Ubisoft figured out how to make female models. Um <laughs> And uh, apparently it's not going to feature the main characters of Origins, uh, Bayek or or Aya, but uh, some new characters. So um, apparently we're going to be seeing more about it at E3. We knew that. It's going to be released in Ubisoft's 2019 fiscal year, which ends in March 2019. So we're looking at this game coming out in the next, you know, probably eight months or so. And um, yeah, so I don't know. It, it looks like I guess we're back to the yearly schedule after the success of, of Origins, which is kind of a disappointment. But um, I, just one last little interesting wrinkle. This was the second time, I think, in recent memory where Assassin's Creed has been uh, spoiled because a piece of, like, swag got a picture taken yeah, of it early. Yeah, that's right. It was just a random Spartan, keychain. like, keychain helmet. Um, so maybe keep a locker, uh, tighter lock on that shit next time, Ubisoft. But, uh... 
you know, I, I know we've, we've kind of talked about Assassin's Creed and our fatigue with it a bit to death. So um, unless anybody has anything new to add, we'll talk more about this at E3. If I'm we don't like, get a... oh, After you, after you. If we don't get a This is Sparta achievement, I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> I'm just really disappointed that, like, Assassin's Creed is realistic and God of War <laughs> is God of War. Because, like, I would love to play, like, an honest-to-God game just based on the Odyssey. Just be, like, Odysseus mm. sailing around, beating up mythology. Beating up yeah. mythology. That's a good yeah. tagline. But, like, yeah, it's, I'm, not, and, like, I'm not all about the, like, oh, go kill all the gods of God of War. And, like, Ancient Greece is super dope, and I will honestly probably end up playing this game. But cool. I'd like to see some of, like, the mythology elements come in. It might be possible. I know they had some mythical creatures in Origins from the Egyptian canon. So, you know, probably possible that you'll see at least a couple mythical creatures. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know about this one. You know, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of over Assassin's Creed, but like Origins had such good buzz around it. Like if this game comes out and really sets the world on fire and there's nothing else around it, maybe I'll give it a shot. But otherwise, eh, we'll see. All right. So moving on to Saturn news, uh, RuneScape Classic is finally shutting down after no, a whopping no. 17 years online. Yeah, uh, the game's developer, Jagex, made the announcement and explained the decision in a farewell blog post that Polygon's Julia Alexander did a great job of summarizing and added some very important context for those who've been out of the loop. So I'm going to borrow a bit from her article. Um, so this actually comes from the blog post. It says, It has been amazing to see such dedication amongst those of you who have kept playing RuneScape Classic over the last few years. Some of you have even managed to reach max total. However, it's not all fun and games, the blog post reads. With advancements in technology helping to further support both RuneScape and old school RuneScape, our tools are no longer compatible with Classic. This is particularly a problem with our community safety and macro detection tools. The game is now easily abused with the use of third-party macro tools, and botting has become an increasing issue. This is back to uh, the article. RuneScape and RuneScape Classic still maintained a dedicated fan base despite changes made to the game's version over the years. Jagex banned more than 5,000 accounts for cheating in January 2006, leading the developer to institute a new policy. The Classic Edition was barred from new players, and a minimum level of playing was required for current players to maintain their access. By two, uh, 2016, RuneScape Classic maintained about 1,000 players and more than 160 servers, according to a Waypoint article. The Classic Edition also found a healthy community on Twitch. Uh, despite the active player base, Jagex hasn't supported Classic for years. The developer touched on that in its new blog post, claiming that safety tools have become a serious issue. The truth is that bots and a lack of community safety tools are serious problems. However, we feel we also feel we can no longer offer long-term service reliability due to the growing risk of unrecoverable game-breaking bugs. The blog post reads, The number of bugs is getting worse, and we're gradually seeing the game breaking. It's important to highlight that these are bugs which we can't fix due to the unsupported nature of the game. Uh, so you can go ahead and read the rest of that blog post if you want. I've linked to it down below. I've linked to the Polygon article, which uh, has a little bit more context about some of the, the growing pains the game has experienced over the years, some of the specific problems that have plagued it. Uh, both a good read if you're interested in learning a little bit more about where RuneScape's been at over the last couple years. Uh, but we now know that the, the classic servers are going to go offline on uh, August 6th. Um, which time is going to depend greatly on where you're at. Um, they listed at 8 p.m. BST, which is British Standard Time. So uh, if you're in the States like us, it's you know about six hours earlier than that. 
Um, so this is, uh, you know, inevitable, but, uh, interesting, you know, I, I, I've always been surprised to see that RuneScape has still had such an active player base, and, um, I know that, uh, I believe each of us has had at least some experience with the game. Um, yeah, so... I uh, I just kind of wanted to open the floor and maybe like share some RuneScape memories or you know uh, add our voice to the requiem here. Um, it should be noted that this is the older of the two like classic RuneScape models that they have that they're shutting down. So there's uh, RuneScape Classic and Old School RuneScape, which is like the game circa 2007. Um, right, and this is the one that's based on, this like... This is the one that was, like, the original build of the game. Yeah. And I never actually played that one. You played the middle I, one? I played the middle one, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I also played played only old school and not classic. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I was, I was big into classic when it was, like... Like, I was playing it on AOL dial-up. If oh, that gives God. you an idea wow. of how long ago I was playing this game. Yeah. I pretty much played it like 15, 16 years ago, I think, uh, for like a good couple years. And I actually met like two people through it that I know to this day. So that was the first time and only time I've ever made friends through a video game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I guess not that I necessarily made a game a friend through the game, but... Um, uh, a good friend of um, of me, Thompson, and Andy's uh, is a, a guy named Alex who I met when we were like 13 or whatever, and that was a game that we used to play together. It was the first game I'd ever played online with somebody. And um, yeah, that was like a very formative experience for me at the time. And like, I remember our thing that we used to do, because we both sucked at it. <laughs> we were both like mid-level shit-tier players. And uh, we would go to the the spawn place where all the new players would spawn on the island and be like, oh, come join the noob guild. We'll give you money and, like, help you get your first set of items or whatever. And then we'd lead them into the wilderness and murder them um, because we wow, were fucking you're assholes. Those assholes. We yeah. were those assholes. Damn. Cold fucking blooded. Wow. Uh, and that was the most fun I had in that game. It was really fun. Uh, and then we would always end up, it would be like we'd take new players out there to murder them and then have to run away before higher level players came around to kill us. <laughs> wow, Pete, you probably did that to me once, you piece probably. of shit. <laughs> yeah, I probably did it to all of you. Well, no, um... I never fell for that. I was like, no, I like, I was, no, it I was didn't... like seventh grade, seventh grade. So like, insert, insert age here. But like, it was... I saw that coming from a mile fucking away. Like, I read, like, not everyone apparently read the sign that you got when, like, you jumped over the, the ledge. And I was like, I should probably read this, because this is probably important. And I saw well, that, and I was like, fuck you. And that was the thing. What we would always do is, like, all right, guys, be careful. This is, like, a high-level area. We'll protect you. We're going to take you back to our base. And then we just kill them. You assholes. <laughs> yep. I and- got fucking destroyed in Diablo a lot where people would like lure things to town portals and like people would try to like, you know, fuck with you like through trees and stuff. So like jumping in from that to like RuneScape, my guard was up, but there was one time somebody killed me and it wasn't for like a guild or whatever. It was like we were doing a trade. It was just me and him. And then like these three dudes jumped out at me and then he was like, ah, I'm actually part of them too. And I was like, fuck, well, four to one, I'm screwed. So <laughs> that happened. That was not fun. Yeah. I um, never. I was never part creature of that. on the planet. Yeah. Although oh, yeah. I will, I will say, like, still to this day, like, whenever I hear the lumbridge, like, da na 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 na, that part, like, it just hits. Like, there's such nostalgia with it. 
It's just like aw. And I've tried I've tried going back in the past like year. Like you can't. I Yeah, it's not it's not the same at all. Um like No, it's no, the problem good... is that it's exactly the same. <laughs> really? Cuz I didn't I mean like I guess the upgraded graphics from my end were, were the thing that was just like, I don't recognize this RuneScape. What the hell? Mm. It looks so much better than I remembered. But like, there's been, there was a lot of like hours just grinding. It was like my first MMO too. So like. Yeah, same here. I feel like it's everyone's first MMO at one point or another. But um, That or EverQuest, yeah. Yeah. Or Fiesta Online, but that's a different one. But, oh my god, like, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, does MapleStory count? Yes. It's free. I fucked yeah, with MapleStory so hard. Oh, loved it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, obviously this is what it is. If you're a, a engaged RuneScape player, I'm sure you're already patently aware of this, but, um, I saw this, I thought it was an interesting little story. I thought it would be fun to walk, take a walk down memory lane. So RIP RuneScape, thanks for being my first online experience and, uh, we will remember you, I'd say fondly. Yeah. So, uh, moving along to a story that just won't die, the Atari VCS, a.k.a. the Atari Box, surpassed $2 million worth of pre-orders in a single day, totally shattering their goal of $100,000. Hey, what are um, we missing? What are, like, what, what are, what are we missing here? There, what is everyone is getting? something that I Wood am not having and I want it. Trier, get on this. What are we missing? Wood paneling, everybody. Yeah, but I don't think wood paneling jumps you to $2 million. Like, come on. Yo, it I did. sold $2 million worth of wood paneling in my day. You're telling me you have it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, just jumping into the details here, um, they've got a couple packages available. There's a $299 one that gives you the uh, limited edition real wood veneer on the front of the console. It includes a Bluetooth-enabled retro-styled Atari joystick controller. Uh, there's a 199 package, which has an all-black version of the console, which we've seen a couple times, uh, with a 222 or 229 package that comes with the black version with a joystick included. Uh, you can also get that like monogrammed like Xbox-style modern controller for $49 separately. Um, each one of them comes with a, over 100 Atari games packed in it called the Atari Vault. Uh, which has titles like Asteroids, Breakout, Centipede, Gravatar, Missile Command, uh, probably Pong, um, which is very similar to the collection of games available on Steam under the same name for $9.99. So if you want to check out what games are going to be in that pack, it's pretty easy to see. Um, but yeah, the campaign uh, for the VCS runs until the end of June, so you've got plenty of time if you're interested. Uh, delivery for all of the products is supposed to be estimated for July 2019. We'll fucking see on that one. Um, but I've linked to an article down below from Polygon, which talks a little bit more about some of the tech specs. Uh, they've given us a little bit more information on the campaign this time around if you're interested in getting in and looking at some of the gear. Uh, but it is still all in development. A lot of, of this stuff could still change. Um, most likely for the better, considering they've gotten 2,000% times what they expected to make from the budget. So I imagine we're going to see probably an uptick in quality I of the innards, <laughs> ideally. It's all wood now. The whole well, thing's made of wood. That'd be pretty cool. I'd fuck with that, man. That would catch fire um, so fucking fast. Doesn't matter. It'd be lit. So, uh... <laughs> kids would within love it. The, mm, you motherfuckers. <laughs> so, within the article, you've also got a link to the Indiegogo if you want to go snag one for yourself. Uh, what, what do you got? What do you guys takes on this one? Uh, Sean's, Sean's not here to rip Atari a new asshole, so we've got to get snarky here. I'll, I'll join uh, instead of, of Sean. This is fucking stupid. Like, there's no, there's no reason this should have sold that much. Hundred grand, sure, that's fine. Even, even five hundred thousand, whatever. Two million on like crashing a fucking site, and it's just like, 
No, this is not it. I, yeah, I, I forgot to mention that. It was so popular that it, it crashed Indiegogo, which is the, the um, crowdfunding platform. It crashed it for like over an hour, I think. Yeah, no, there's no reason. I have, I really, I'm genuinely worried and curious uh, at the same time what the world is doing that I'm not, that this seems like a great investment. Uh, from all from all companies, Atari, that comes out and says, we got this box and you want it. And everyone goes, yeah, sure, take my fucking money. Uh, I wish I had that kind of money. I mean- what am I doing wrong that either I'm not interested in this or don't have the money to throw 300 bucks at someone for a possibility of a wood box? So, yeah. I mean, it's, like, you know? it's <laughs> pretty good. Uh, I mean, it's just weird to me because it's basically a Raspberry Pi with an Atari logo on it. Like, that's what we're paying for. Right. So, if you want that, cool. Um, I don't know. It's like, I, I almost want to get one just out of morbid curiosity, but I, I remember the Ouya too well to fucking shell out the money for this one. Yeah, yeah, I remember so, a lot of problems. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be the guy who stands up for it. Um, I think it's cool. I probably won't get it, but there's like clearly a market for that nostalgia. And in terms of yeah, it's a hundred games from thirty years ago slapped together. You could certainly do worse. Like it runs sure. on Linux. It's got smart home integration. So like if you have all those smart devices but haven't bought a hub. Boughton? Wow. Haven't bought a hub yet. And you could just use your Atari as that, or you're thinking of, like, putting your lights and shit on, like, smart home, so you could just be like, Atari, turn down the lights, it's time to set the mood. Because <laughs> nothing sets the mood like an Atari VCS. Well, and that's the thing, they did say it's gonna have, like, voice command and everything like that, so, like, honestly, that would be really cool. Like, I would much rather yeah. talk to Atari than Google. Okay, Atari. <laughs> hey, Atari. Yeah, I, I need like, to talk to Nolan directly. Please hook me up. <laughs> you can, Dial Nolan Bush now. <laughs> you can use your own controllers, I think, if you don't want to buy theirs. They like, said any Bluetooth-capable controller can pair with it. Which is anything All from this gen or the DualShock 3. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I don't think it's going to like set the world on fire, but I think it'll be good for, you know, if you know what you're getting into... You'll have fun with it. Yeah, I, I think specifically if you're a gearhead and you're into modding and, like, that whole scene, um, it seems like this could be a really cool device for you. I just don't think it has a lot of mainstream appeal. I think if I was in a position like you're talking about where I had, like, a smart um, network, you know, I, I could see myself maybe plugging this in. Um but yeah, from where I'm at right now, I just I don't see the reason to shell down the money, so I'm not going to. Um, but I mean, obviously, a lot of people disagree. So I mean, two million dollars worth of three hundred dollar pre-orders is quite a bit. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see where it ultimately shakes out because it's only been up for like a week, and usually you see these campaigns really spike in their last two weeks. Yeah. So we're not even like they're already at two point five million at the time of this recording. So. And they're definitely rolling into, like, the dead time because they hit that, like, surge of people who were always going to get it. Yep. Yep. And then the other people who jumped on because of the headlines of $2 million worth of people got it. So I should get one, too. Yeah. And it's like, I think this could end up being pretty cool. Yeah, I'm interested to see if they have any stretch announcements or anything like that. Like if they if they give us a little bit more of like, oh, we've we've been able to lock down this partner because of this money, or we can promise this new feature. Like, I'm interested to see where this all shakes out. Like, I've always been morbidly curious in the Atari box, and it's 
this like development is the most interesting thing that's happened in the story of like, oh wait, there might actually be an audience for this thing? Huh. Alright. Yeah, that's the biggest that's the biggest part to me. Let's fucking see where it goes, man. Uh, Peg, any thoughts on this one before we move on? I'm still trying to wrap my head around how the hell they got this much. Like, I don't get it. Is it the Linux? Like, is all the, like, the nerdy fanboys coming out because they said Linux? Like, I don't, I don't know. No, they're all coming out because they said Atari. (laughs) Jesus. I didn't, I know what? I underestimated their power. That, that's all me. That, that's on me. And I, I, I I bow. I think, I think the big thing to, to keep in context here is, like, for us, for our generation, Atari doesn't have a major relevance. Unless you You know what, have, that's fair. Yeah. Unless you have a real uh, investment in video game history in the way that, like, Thompson and I do. You right. know? Um, and I think in the way that, like, NES means something to our generation and we ate up the NES Classic or the SNES Classic, depending on how old you are, um, that's Atari for gamers who are in their 30s and 40s, you know? Okay, so yeah. I, I I wonder how many of them are just people that are like, oh, yeah, I'd love to have 100 Atari games on a device that I can use as, like, an entertainment box in my living room. Like, it's cooler than the Apple Stick, you know, or, or the Chromecast or whatever, and yeah, yeah fuck it. I mean, now you that you mention it, like, this is something that if I had told my dad about, he, you know, when I grew up, when I was born, he had an Atari and stuff, and, you know, he he likes to hook up crazy smart networks and stuff if he can. And like, this might be something he'd want. So for sure, you know, I could see people older than us, uh, uh, really, you know, biting into this because Atari meant a lot more to them. And also to say you haven't played games since Atari, you know, and it's like, Oh, you know, I grew up in a, I'm 40 or whatever. And it's like, get a box and have a hundred games in it, whatever, you know, it's easy sounding in that respect, you know? Yeah. You know, to invest right. in a new like, console or whatever, you know? Yeah, sure. And especially if you're somebody who doesn't like give a shit about, like modern games. That's you know, what like I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, so like, whatever. yeah, it'll play Spotify and Netflix. Okay, cool. I can see yep. this having that appeal. I'm just still surprised they got this much, you know? I still think it's weird. Like it is weird. It's a it's a weird product, and the fact that it seems like it's resonating with so many people is surprising. Um but it's like you have to think, like, again, don't forget the Ouya. This is exactly what happened with the Ouya. The, oh, it's this really interesting thing. Maybe it could be a, a hub for indie development. Oh, it's based on Android, so it's super open. It's super cheap. It's this, it's that. It has all this support. There's all these important people behind it. And then nothing ever materialized. Rip there was the Ouya. It's gone. There was no relevant software. There wasn't a super interesting like uh, homebrew development c- scene and all that stuff. I think if, if the Atari box uh, can overcome those obstacles... It probably could be a success, but we'll have to see if this initial wave of interest is just that. So uh, you can bet your bottom fucking dollar that we will be following this story very closely. So we'll tune in with you at the end of June and let you know how it all shook out and if one of us eventually caves and get what gets one. <laughs> Not uh, me. It be Sean. It yep. will never be me. I would fucking. I would die. I would sell my blood to see that happen. Sean's like, you know what? I did it. Guys, I think I'm sold. I'm not. I'm gonna get it because Smash didn't come out. That's what I could hear. <laughs> I'll say this: uh, Marco from the Video Game Pals was thinking about getting one so that we could do an unboxing and check it out because he's like I'm morbidly curious. So we'll see. I want to buy it so I can gut it. That's what I'm hearing. So <laughs> I, what I'd like you to do right now is tweet at Mr. Marco Animoto. Uh, that's Mr. Marco Animoto. Um, spelled how it sounds. Tell him, buy that Atari box and send it to Pete's house. 
Also, tell Sean to do it too, just for kicks. Yeah, tweet at Sean Soapbox and say get it because there's a sweet pirate exclusive coming out on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to die. Uh, yeah, so uh, moving right along. Our last story this week is going to take us into our main topic, talking all about the future of the Pokemon franchise, which is because something we haven't been talking about nearly enough on this show. We don't no, care no. about Pokemon here. But we're going to be doing that by taking a look at the past of Pokemon. So, uh... I think this is legitimately one of the coolest fucking things that's that's come out in recent memory. Uh, so a previously unreleased demo version of Pokemon Gold, which was last made available to the public in 1997 at uh, the Space World Convention in Japan, has leaked online and shows a ton of unused features, mechanics, and most interestingly, Pokemon. Uh, so this is like mostly a PSA for Pokemon fans who've somehow missed this announcement. It's been all over Reddit and Tumblr and anywhere that you know Pokemon fans congregate. Um, but you gotta you gotta check this out. Uh, it's it's fascinating. I, I personally love getting to see uh, glimpses at things that could have been or, or or never were. Um, we talked a little bit about that with Cliffy B's games last week. I, I'm I'm super interested in this kind of shit. So I geek out about this shit. But I feel like even if you're just a casual Pokemon fan. It's cool to see this stuff. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit from a, a piece that Kotaku did about it uh, to kind of fill you in. And then I'm going to direct you to some places where you can check out more information about it. Um, so this comes from uh, Gita Jackson over at Kotaku. And she writes, Pokemon Gold and Silver once had a bigger map, many more Pokemon, and even a skateboard, according to a new leak of a pre-release demo for the two 1999 Pokemon games. First shown at the Nintendo Space World Convention in 1997, two years before the game's release, this demo for what would become Gold and Silver would be the first glimpse anyone got at the sequels to the originals Red and Blue, which had already become an international phenomenon. No one has seen hide nor hair of this demo since until today, which was uh, last week, last Thursday, um, when the ROM was leaked to the public. Website The Cutting Room Floor, which is dedicated to unearthing cut and unused content from games, has released their spreadsheet containing all the information they've gleaned from the demo so far, which isn't all on the wiki yet. So I've linked to those two resources down below. You can check out their spreadsheet and their wiki. Um, it's pretty comprehensive. It talks about all the differences between gold and silver and uh, this demo, like, you know, whether that's art, whether that's mechanics. Um, and it's super interesting just to see some of the things that were different. So if you check out the original map, um, they were apparently going to be even bigger than, than the game that we got, which is insane. Um, so it says here, notably, the game's map seems to be based on the entirety of Japan, whereas Johto, the region we actually got to play, covers a lot less real-life ground. So it not only had the Kanto stuff, it had like entire new areas of the map, new segments that just never made it into the game. Um, what's most interesting is that according to Reset Era Forum post Erosaur, who worked with the cutting room floor to extract information from the demo, the Kanto region from Red and Blue are actually in this demo. Um, so it's just insane to think that the game that was already the largest was going to be significantly bigger. If you take a look at this map, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that we never really got to check out. Um... And, uh, there was also, um, you know, a bunch of sprites from kind of characters that we knew from the last game, like Gary and Giovanni and a bunch of stuff that, like, we, we, like, didn't really see. Like, there is no Giovanni in, in the, the Gold and Silver, uh, proper, you know? Um, 
so it's just interesting to like get to pick around and see some of this stuff. Like instead of a bicycle, we were supposed to have a skateboard, which is something that like the 90s. I remember was that was obviously very nineties. It was a thing we saw in promotional material. I remember some of the original design showed like the silver kid and he had a skateboard and you know just just never never made it for whatever uh, reason. And like you were apparently able to ride it indoors and just weird shit like that. Um, <laughs> but then obviously the most interesting thing is the Pokemon. Right? Uh, so, so many of these Pokemon were really interesting uh, and stuff we never saw. Like, there were baby versions of existing Pokemon. We had uh, baby versions of Meowth and Vulpix, which you can check out. Um, and there was, like, you know, just a ton of Pokemon that never made the cut. Like, the two starters. Instead of Cyndaquil and Totodile, we had, uh, you know, a fire starter, which was, like, a volcano bear-looking Pokemon. And then uh, there was a water type, which kind of looked um, like a plesiosaur, you know, like kind of reminiscent of um, of uh, Aurorus, but like kind of, a, you know, water type instead of an ice type. And uh, we had like Ditto, Ditto had an evolution that was like a steel type that you got from using a metal coat. Um, just all kinds of interesting little things here. And uh, it, it's just strange. You know, there's, there's a bunch of Pokemon entirely cut and then some that we ended up seeing in later generations like Leafeon, uh, the Eevee evolution that we saw in I think it was Gen 6 for the first time. That was – maybe yeah, that, that came pretty late. Yeah, so Pokemon that were developed – you know, five generations earlier that just sat sat around and, and were waiting in the wings for their opportunity. So I, I, I've linked to these resources because I think they're really worth a check out. Uh, the sprite work is awesome. And a lot of them, you'll even see Pokemon. Like like I said, there were two other starters, but like Chikorita was originally there. So you can see like Chikorita done in the original red and blue style. You can see like Quagsire and some other really iconic uh, Gen 2 Pokemon with a totally different design or slightly modified designs. Uh, some of which I think are really cool and even better than some of the ones that we got. So uh, if, you, if you're a geek about stuff like this, like I am, uh, well worth your time. Go give it a shot. Uh, did you guys get to see all this stuff? What, what, what were your thoughts? Anything stick out to you? Um, the I Pokemon saw... looked dope. Yeah. Like, honestly, I probably would have started with a water Pokemon if I had seen the one. Nah, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> when it comes to, like, I feel like the the... The, just the scope that was supposed to be, or I guess, like, scrapped, is really interesting. Um, and obviously, I am the least pokey person here. So, uh, question for the class. Has um, has that sort of scope happened in other Pokemon games? Not since Johto. Uh, Gen 2 is definitely the largest game by quite a bit, you know? Um, even with ga- in games with larger maps, uh, that's the only game where you had an entire main game and then a post game where you went to another region and were able to explore another entirely unique map, you know? Right. Okay. So the fact that it was that big with an addendum is insane. That know? big and that early too. That, yeah, that scope is insane. Like there yeah. was no way they were going to make that happen. Because uh, famously, uh, Satoru Iwata had to roll up his sleeves well after he had been a programmer uh, and and came in and pitched in with Game Freak and actually was the one who figured out how to fit Kanto on the, the cart at all. So the fact that they were thinking this game was going to be seemingly like almost 25% bigger was like, you guys overestimated how much space you had. <laughs> the fact that this game is like three megabytes is really fucking impressive. It's insane. Yeah, the amount of data in there and it's just that tiny little package. It's so much yeah. shit in there too. 
Awada was a fucking genius. Um, yeah, so, I, I, you know, it, it's cool, and it's really cool that it's playable. You know, like, yeah. I have the demo. I haven't been able to futz around with it yet. Currently only available in Japanese, but the cutting room people have a team that's translating the game. They hope to fully translate it uh, sometime in the next, you know, couple years. Uh, so... Keep your eyes peeled. If they get a full English version developed, I'll definitely be there to tell you because um, I'm keeping an eye on this as as they, they keep up with it because they're adding new stuff to this spreadsheet every single day. Uh, new things they've, they've discovered and just like weird things, you know, like um, something I noticed was like, like, like steel types are, are famously immune to poison, right? Uh, back in those games, they weren't. You know, like they just took like uh, damage reduction. So there's all kinds of just different little things like that that are still coming out and it's it's exciting. It's very exciting. Um, so, so go give it a shot. Check it out. If you're, if you're a fan of this kind of shit. That's like a poison team's wet dream, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To not be neutered by one of the most common types in the metagame. Thank you. RIP. What could have been? Alrighty. So that's going to take us into our meat and potatoes this week, uh, where we're going to talk about all of the new announcements that came out this week from the Pokemon company and, um, do a little bit of just, I, I guess like. I don't know. We'll start with the news. And I'm going to try not to get too fired up here. So, uh, Nintendo, or I'm sorry, not Nintendo, the Pokemon company in a very Pokemon company move, uh, told no one that they would be holding an event. So I came out of the movie theater, (laughs) watched Solo, pleasantly surprised, cute little film. uh, And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good. Open up my phone, just wave of Pokemon news. So immediately I start scrambling to catch up with it, and boy, what I saw disappointed me quite a bit. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll start with the the small announcement. Uh, we got the announcement and release of a of a free to play game called Pokemon Quest, available now on Nintendo Switch for free. Uh, mobile version coming by the end of June. Uh, I haven't got a chance to check it out yet. Thompson and I, I think, are going to jump into it for a Pals play this week. Um, so we'll have impressions for that next week, I guess, or in the Let's Play or whatever. Uh, I've heard some positive stuff. Friend of the show, Mike McMahon, liked it quite a bit. Uh, another guy we play games with, Casey Henricks, uh, hit me up about it and, and is interested in it. So, um, But by all accounts, it's not anything groundbreaking. It's fun for a mobile game. So if you guys are playing it and you've got any hot takes, you can let us know at the video game pals at gmail.com or hit us up in the comments down below or tweet at us at the comics pals and let us know what you're thinking about Pokemon Quest. I mean, we'll talk about it next week if we're interested. Um, but did you guys see this? What were your thoughts on Pokemon Quest? Any interest in it? Any any takes on it? Uh, the cute Pokemon looked kind of cute, but it didn't look like a thing I wanted to play. Yeah, it just didn't grab me. Like, I, uh, there was nothing about it that seemed appealing, yep, you know? Yep, yep, yep. And um, I, I think the thing that people have sold me on it or tried to sell me on it with were, you know, it's good in the way that mobile games are good, that it's a good game to jump in in the morning and do a couple things, and then when you're ready to jump back in it at lunchtime or at the end of the day, you can do all your stuff and keep your dailies going or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, but that hook never really works for me for more than like a week or two. So I can't see myself playing this game for any more time than that, you know? Um, It looks cute, I guess, interesting enough, just maybe a little shallow. And um, I don't know. I don't want to judge it before I actually get my hands on it, but my initial impressions of it were really not not very positive and didn't motivate me to go download and play it for free, which is not a great sign. Yeah, I have Um, uh, zero interest in this, but it doesn't mean I won't play it, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, we'll give it a shot. We'll play it on Pal's Play. We'll see what we think about it. And if, if it spurs the interest, you know, I'll, I'll dig into it a little bit more. But otherwise, you know, it just looks like another free-to-play mobile game, which not necessarily interesting Man. enough for me. <laughs> the only uh, one I ever Jeff. played oh, was sorry, the, ahead, the Fallout uh, Shelter one. Um, I did like that game. Because that one has, like, an actual, like, kind of end to it where you're like, oh, I'm secure and, you know, I'm, I'm good. You know, like, you don't have to, like, you know, be a slave to it, <laughs> essentially. So I like that game because I like management sims, yeah, and it's a management sim. Right. And it's like, And the timers worked. aren't too egregious. They're, they're, no, they're not. They're long, but they're not too much. And it was like, they were built in such a way that it incentivized you to play the game for about an hour or two a day across several play sessions versus yeah. sitting and playing it for like an hour in a, in a chunk, mm. which yeah, I like. Yeah. That's the only one um, I ever that, liked. That spoke to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that game, that is the mobile game I spent the most time with, except maybe Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Uh, I got real into that for like a month, but I was on a similar ch- uh, churn with um, with Fallout Shelter. So, you know, it's not impossible that this game will, will catch my attention, but from what I saw for it, it just, uh, it didn't get its hooks in me. So I think I, I got to get some some hands-on before I can really speak to it. And uh, I was just, I'd rather play Mega Man this weekend, you know? Fair. So. Fair. <laughs> Um, so we'll see on that one, you know, uh, at the very least, Thompson and I will have some impressions for you next week. Maybe Andy will jump in and, and give it a shot too. We'll give Maybe. it a shot. Maybe. We'll see. So moving along to the real news, uh, we talked, was it two weeks ago on the show that I missed where we talked about the, uh, rumors about Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. Uh, they seem to be all but, you know confirmed at that point based on how much we had saw and who was commenting on them who was the people behind these leaks um so we got confirmation they're real um, i just want to point something out before you go further sure this this uh little bit got announced on 4chan by an user user on april 1st at one point so obviously yes. no one took him seriously i think that's the best part of this whole story of course it's on 4chan on april fool's day that it's a real story a fucking course. <laughs> that is life. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, it's funny, man, because that's the thing with, like, leaks that come from 4chan. They're either, like, this is gospel truth or it's just bullshit. I just can't believe, bullshit. like, no one would take him seriously. Of course it's real. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you know, um, we, we finally got the reveal for it. We got, like, a full trailer, um, and uh, people were pretty split on it, I think. Um, and, and before we get into... I guess all the nitty gritty, uh, I guess I'd just like to open up to, to you guys. What were your takes on, on this when you just saw the initial reveal trailer? Before we get into all the mechanics that have been confirmed or, or disp- dispelled or whatever, just based on just the announcement, just the trailer, what, what were your thoughts on this? And Andy, I'd like you to start. Okay, so I'm like kind of into it. I'm not in love with the idea, but... I like we talked about it like while it was happening and it seems fine. I know they confirmed that you won't be able to turn off the Pokemon Go like motion controls to catch the Pokemon. That's just the game. That's the game. They've got the you know, when you're trainer battles, you're still battling. But uh, when you interact with wild Pokemon, it's not. just yeah. it's Pokemon just, Go ball flicking. Pokemon Go ball flicking, maybe throw an item to, you know, warm it up. It, it seems like a good, smart way to get people who maybe wouldn't play, like, the big full-fledged RPG to pick up a Pokemon title for their Switch at probably $60. Yeah, they've confirmed it's a $60 game. Yeah. So, 
I I think it's a smart move. I don't know if it's for me, but I don't think it's intended. For me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I, uh, fair. Yeah, yeah. I agree with a lot of those sentiments, and I, we'll dig more into that as as we get into it. But uh, Thompson, Peggy, anything to add? Not Ugh. not for this one. The coming the coming ones will have a little bit more a uh, little more opinions on. But like you guys just kind of covered it. It doesn't seem like the the demo isn't mine. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Thompson, what about you? Um, I don't know what it is about Pokemon Go that never sold me. I never liked it. I don't think I ever will like it. And a big part of it was the ball flicking thing. And I know that's like a really weird sticking point, but like that just I don't know that it is. It's just like not for me. And then when you integrate mechanics like that, I'm sure that like the game is like Andy said, and I agree, it's definitely not for me. And I think it's probably for someone, and that's that's fucking great. But um I worry when I see that happening that like the future of other games are kind of like getting that. So it's like, I don't know, seeing this is like disheartening, you know, like I'm sure it's for somebody, but like, it's definitely not for me. And then just kind of scares me that I'm like, Oh no, what's coming next? You know, (laughs) I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, and, and that's what we're going to really dig into in this main topic. So let's put a pin in that for now. We'll get through the rest of the, the core announcements here and then we can dig into it. Um, so, the games were announced as broader at this broader press conference in Japan. Uh, they were confirmed to be part of the core series and not like just a spin-off series. But then they also kind of tempered that by saying that like, well, this isn't Generation Eight either. Like we are going to be getting a core Gen Eight game uh, in 2019. Uh, where here, here's from the tweet from the official Pokemon Twitter. They say, with Pokemon Quest and Pokemon Let's Go, there are so many new ways to explore the world of Pokemon. Trainers can look forward to even more with an all new core series Pokemon RPG title in development for the second half of 2019. So fall 2019, we'll be getting a new full-fledged Pokemon game, which again, we'll talk more about in a bit. Um, these games are going to be coming out November 16th, 2018, alongside the Pokeball Plus, which was, uh, the peripheral that they confirmed, which showed that it was, you know, it's, it's a ball that it's got like AR tech, you can throw it and it's the same, you know, that's how you do the throwing motion instead of like twisting your switch and flicking balls. Um, so if you want to spend $50 to be able to do that, I guess that's a thing you can do. Uh, and then we also got a confirmation, um, this comes from Yuji Nakamura, who's a, uh, Bloomberg tech journalist, uh, he broke a lot of these stories because he was on location, and, uh, he said, Pokemon CEO said, no online features planned for Let's Go, only lo- local multiplayer. Uh, so, like, we saw in the trailer, there's, there's local multiplayer, the game is two-player, um, if you're playing the Pikachu version, your starter's gonna be Pikachu, if you're playing the Eevee version, your starter is Eevee, uh, they're constantly following you or at your side or on your back or your shoulder or whatever uh, as andy said battles with pokemon will p- play out exactly as they do in pokemon go you see them on the map you encounter them you flick balls at them until you catch them there's proper battles but mm, look like they're a bit truncated with uh trainers so there are a, a little bit more of the core mechanics introduced it is a um like kind of light from the ground up remake of Pokemon Yellow. You're gonna explore the entirety of the Kanto region. We saw a lot of big landmarks like Mount Moon and stuff like that being realized here. Um, So it's interesting. Like it definitely seems like this is clearly trying to appeal to the Pokemon Go audience that that exists and is still out there. People who played it when it was hype and maybe have lapsed. you know, it, it seems like it's aimed at, you know, children, casual players, you know, people who are really 
new to the scene but want to be involved in the Pokemon world, which um, I've got some thoughts on that one. But uh, aside from that, uh, the Poker Ride mechanic that was introduced in Sun and Moon is going to return. We saw lots of stuff of your your character riding on a Pokemon, so there won't be HMs, which is great. Um, yeah, so uh, it definitely seems like it's kind of aimed at families, I would say. If you were a family that was into Pokemon Go, this seems like a game that's really easy for you to pick up. I've seen a lot of games journalists saying it's a game that I'm really excited to play with my kids. I've seen a lot of people our age saying it's a game I'd really like to play with my like non-gamer partner who was into Pokemon Go with me or who has nostalgic memories for Pokemon but isn't really engaged in video games anymore. It's a fun thing we could sit down and play two-player. So, you know, that's... I think that makes sense. Um, it, it seems like a market worth trying to appeal to. And there's a lot of like little cosmetic kind of things. You're able to customize your Pikachu or Eevee. There's going to be connectivity with Pokemon Go where you can pull your Pokemon from Pokemon Go and put them in the game, uh, which is cool. So, you know, uh, th- there's, there's stuff here that like I think to Andy's point uh, shows me that this is for someone. You know, um, there's clearly excitement around this title, and I've seen a lot of people who are really hype about it. So, um, as much as I'm not, I certainly don't want to take that away from anybody. I think if this game is for someone, that's great. It doesn't have to be for me. Uh, but I'd like to make a point and then turn this back over to you, you, uh, you three, uh, based on what Thompson said. So, my issue with this game is less the this isn't my Pokemon, or, or this isn't for me, so I'm mad. It, it's more, I'm really concerned about what this game means for gamers, you know? And I, I and, and take a walk with me. So, Pokemon's fucking easy. It's already easy. Uh, even the first Pokemon game, even Gen 2, right? Which had a clear challenge, uh, and I think even as an adult, if you're not playing them smart, can present you with a challenge. You know, you can put yourself where there are obstacles that are not overcomable if you don't learn the mechanics of the game or spend time exploring or or whatever, if you're not actually playing a video game. Whereas uh, in recent years, I think specifically the titles that are on the 3DS, X and Y and Sun and Moon, uh, those games are egregiously, I think, affected by the mobilefication of Pokemon, of trying to appeal to the mobile generation who grew up with smartphone games and tablet games. Uh, because as I've made abundantly clear on the show over, over our, you know, uh, 50 some odd episodes, those games are trash. They're not, they're not good games. Most of them are a race to the bottom. They're games that exist to, uh, get you in a gameplay loop and feed into addictive tendencies to try and make a whale out of you and make a quick buck. And most of them are not mechanically deep. The The most prevalent mechanic in mobile games, what do we just say? It's waiting. And ideally trying to get you to spend a dollar so you don't wait. Waiting is not a game mechanic. Uh, and as Thompson said, Pokemon Go is one of the most memorable game gaming experiences I've ever had. But it wasn't because of the game. Pokemon Go as a piece of software and as a game were trash. They're hot garbage. It's not fun. It's not engaging. The thing that was fun about it was that it was a social activity. Was that you would go to a thing and see 50 fucking people out there talking about Pokemon. And, oh, there's a there's a rare Pokemon over there. Let's all run over there and try and catch it. That was the fun of it. Comparing with your friends. Oh, I got this Pokemon. Oh, I got this Pokemon. Oh, I went on a trip, so I got this Pokemon from this other region that nobody here has. Those were the things that were fun about it. None of those things had to do with the game or its mechanics. 
the gym stuff was not fun. Catching Pokemon was not fun. Uh, nothing about it other than collecting Pokemon, which is, we already know is fun, was good about Pokemon Go. So seeing them, in my mind, have the audacity to charge $60 for a feature-light Pokemon game, okay. which is $20 more than Thank any you. other Pokemon game has ever cost. I was waiting for someone to bring that up. <laughs> fucking absurd. So I think if this was a, a downloadable game that was $40, I'd be able to stomach it a little bit better. It should be $20 fucking dollars looking at this. So, like, like I'm going to go out with a bang here and do a very hot take, but this is Pokemon's way of saying Pokemon is not for you anymore. This is Pokemon's way of saying the demographic is below you, is younger than you. That's That was my impression throughout this entire thing, whereas who's going to pay the extra 60 bucks or something they don't understand? The parents of the kids who want the game. Sure. Well, and that's the thing, though. I don't, I don't agree with that, because I think if that was the case, this would be the new direction Pokemon's taking, and it's not, because there's also an, another core RPG coming. And what shape that takes is going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a possibility that um, that you're right. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't think, think we know enough about that that pure, that, about that other game thing to really say one way or the other. If anything, this could be the final like trial test. Like, okay, who's going to buy this? Or rather, which parent is going to buy this? And if that's the case, then let's just keep moving in this, in this uh, direction because that's where the money is. And like, kind not... Not very, like, in a kind way, fuck the old guard. Like, there's no reason to care about the guys who obviously have higher standards for Pokemon when we can make a quick buck using the kids slash parents that don't know shit about Pokemon yet. And I I just don't think that's true. Um, I mean, I hope not. It's just an outside-looking-in sort of thing. Sure. I just don't think it makes sense because it does matter. Because the old guard buys Pokemon games in droves. The reason that Pokemon sells the numbers that it does is because every generation, you get a new batch of kids that learn to fall in love with Pokemon, and you maintain some percentage of previous batches. And that's why Pokemon as a model works. Um, period. You know, like, it wouldn't sell the numbers it did if it didn't have 20-something and 30-something showing up in droves to pay for the game. Um, that's fact. And I think... What I'm thinking might happen is that we see um, a split of the brand in that we have two distinct franchises, Pokemon proper and Pokemon Let's Go, um, that one of which appeals to casual markets and one of which appeals more to hardcore markets. And I'm actually interested in that. And I wanted to read a tweet real quick. This comes from at Joe Merrick. Uh, Joe Merrick is a major voice in the Pokemon scene. He's the webmaster of Cerebi.net, which if you're a Pokemon nerd, you know is kind of like one of the de facto places for Pokemon information. Uh, so he said this. Masuda is saying there could be a time where Let's Go and main series games will continue concurrently. Essentially, it'll be like Mario. New Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Odyssey. Both mainline, both same series, both vastly different audiences. I can live with that. I can too. Um, and I think ultimately that could be a positive thing for the franchise. But my concern, <laughs> and this is what this entire long-winded thing has been building towards, to build on Thompson's point, Pokemon is already easy. And I, I am concerned, I, I'm disheartened by the idea of them trying to dumb down an already incredibly simplistic, accessible, child-friendly game to race even further to the mobile bottom. 
And ultimately, if it gets a Switch in somebody's hands, if it gets them the opportunity to maybe play a real Pokemon game, maybe that's worth it. But I can't help but be discouraged by that because I don't think that engenders a new generation of gamers. I think it engenders a new generation of people that are interested in mobile games. And I don't think that there's as clear a line uh, from playing a, a shitty mobile game to a real game as people like to draw. And I think, like, Pokemon is already that accessible, good game for you to play for the first time. It's baby's first RPG. And I say that lovingly. That's not a dig. Um, this is just... You're, you're charging $60 for, for flicking balls. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm out of touch with what kids want out of a game in this day and age, but I just, I don't think this does anything to really make you make that step to the next Pokemon game if this is what you really want out of it. And like, maybe that's okay. Maybe these things can exist independently of one another and maybe this is how they can actually give us a, a that bre- that breath of the wild revamp of pokemon we talked about three or four episodes ago we, we did our wish list episode um and maybe that's maybe that's a good thing but I, I can't help but look at this and be concerned by the idea of more of the race to the bottom and to peggy's point if this game comes out and sells in droves and it's easier to make it's cheaper to produce it takes less effort it does makes that take a lot of money <laughs> Does that take away resources from a proper Pokemon game? Does that affect the sales of a proper Pokemon game? I don't know, and I'm scared to find out, frankly. Um, So now that I've gotten through that Shakespearean fucking monologue, what do you guys think about that idea? What do you think about the idea of two distinct Pokemon franchises that appeal to the two clearly existing audiences that are interested in Pokemon? One that appeals more to gamers the core older audiences one that appeals to more casual players kids what have you so i i personally i think it's a great idea um because i don't think that if someone wasn't gonna play pokemon like as it stood before this but is gonna play like i think there are people out there who wouldn't play like a full rpg but would be into like, oh yeah, I'll play Pokemon. Let's go Pikachu with my kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that catering to this market that already wasn't part of it hurts the mainline Pokemon games. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm concerned about the kids though more more than anything. Like, does the parent buy this game instead of a real Pokemon game? And are they feeding into the the interest they already have in these light experiences that are not really deep developed games. And then they miss that opportunity, you know, to see like what an RPG could actually offer to them. And then they never get turned on to it. That's a bit elitist. Don't you think? No, I don't. No, I mean like I, I have like a very close sentiment to that. Like the one thing is if they can make a clear line and say that this one game is, is the, the let's go series and that's fine. Uh, and then, you know, we have other mainline games. I think if they can differentiate that and stick to it, because I worry about um, the Let's Go series being, I mean, it's probably going to be popular. I can see it having a market. I just worry about them saying some mechanics in here work because they're easier to do. Let's bleed that over into their games. That's what I worry about. And I think that's what Pete's saying. Like, I don't think he's saying that, like, the parents will buy them this game and they won't uh, have respect for it or something else past that. But some of the mechanics in there are so easy already to dumb it down and then charge 60 bucks for it. It does feel kind of like 
a dig. Like the sixty dollar price tag felt kind of like weird to see for this kind of game. Like I definitely it's a lot of money. I didn't feel like it should have been offering. that. And like granted, like Pokemon games that are the hardcore things aren't sixty. That's what got me. You know, like it's a Switch title, okay. So, but like that doesn't mean it has to be sixty. Like a lot of Switch titles aren't. Um, it just felt like we should cash in while we could, and that mentality is what I don't like to see. So I feel like, you know, the game itself is probably going to be fine for who wants it, you know? And, and that's great. But it, I don't know if like, it's engendering a good idea uh, to the market saying like, this works, do it, you know, especially from something that we care about from like, like even Fallout 76 has me scared for that kind of shit. Cause it's like survival MMOs, uh, you know, they're popular at some point, you know, like they make a lot of money, even if yeah, they don't get it's feeding into a trend. Even yeah, even if they don't get a lot of uh, patches or whatever, even if they don't stick, some do, and they make money. That's all that matters is they make money. And I know everyone wants to make money, but the Pokemon company is already pretty fucking rich, and so is Nintendo. Uh, so like they don't need to do that one more thing. You know what I mean? You can make it, and really, like I think you said, it should have been twenty. Yeah, it should have been twenty. It's a great idea. I just sixties like crazy in my eyes. Um, it well, just doesn't. I mean, you know, it's it's sixty, but they had to you know put in the work to make all these models that run in hd they had to like rebuild the world they had to build a new engine for the switch like there's a lot yeah but they made they made pokemon go for free you know i mean like they put work into it knowing knowing they were going to get money back and to say that they didn't get more than what they put in already uh you know like the investment from stuff like that already went into shit like this i feel you know and that's fine i mean it's it does take money to make those models and all that so you can still sell it but 30 even you know 40 even like, i think for, yeah 40 would you know, be i'd be more comfortable because the with. other ones are 40 you know and and that's you know and like i know andy you paid the atlas tax for some games but like i i don't agree with that like i don't like it you know that that sure there are things i'd pay more money for because i like them but i don't like that they want to do that to me you know what i'm saying um because it just doesn't feel good you know but when you see something like this i just thought you know hey 60 seems a little much for me you know it it really just doesn't seem like 60 um but to to rewind for a second um peggy i'd like to ask what what about that position makes you think that that sounds elitist because i'd like to unpack that uh i it just i feel like pokemon in general is a is a type of game that does not evolve a lot so to see it kind of thank you to see it kind of go um go in a different direction in my opinion is actually pretty refreshing to see it at least have something that's different um not you know not totally different because it's kind of the same as pokemon yellow but like and not really though right no that that's kind of my <laughs> like point is, though but, but like uh... to see them start to evolve and start to cater to, to different people who don't want to play the game hardcore is kind of nice and i think that that the idea that that you know that this is like ridiculous and all just maybe the price price point is really bad like i to be honest like i i i would agree that it is that it is but like considering what what andy said about all the uh the nintendo switch stuff and that sort of stuff i think it does make sense um it's just it feels like at originally it felt like it was like this isn't a diehard pokemon game i'm not buying it because of that and like yeah like cool like it's not it's not one of those but i don't think it's meant to be and i think they do find they have found a market that is way more like i just want kind of like the the light version like pokemon light something like that pokey light if you will and the entire like i think this entire let's go 
brand caters to that and will also lead into those hardcore games for a lot of people. Because I know for, for a fact, if I had started with, like, if I had started with the Pokemons that are out now, I would not like it. I would not go to get into RPGs. But the more simplistic versions that were simplistic in a different way, but still simplistic, that Pokemon Red, Yellow, Silver, I start on Silver, so Silver, and that sort of thing, um, that's what kind of got me into it in the first place and also allowed me to dive into more serious RPGs. So, like... Well, I, I, to, to counter that, though, I don't think those games were more simplistic. Like, the modern Pokemon games are more simplistic, and that's the problem. You know, it's like, I don't... And, and I don't think it's... um, Because I, I, I don't think it's, like, in a, uh, an elitist position to, to talk about the realities of mobile games. You know, like, I'm not saying, like no mobile game can ever be good. Most of them aren't, though. Most of them are not really trying to create something that's, like, meaningful or artistic See, but or like, even, I don't like, think they need a to well-developed be. I think, game. I think this is... I don't... All due respect, but I do think that it's more of mobile games are, are trash in my eyes as opposed to mobile games are trash in general because there has been a lot of good games that aren't trash that are mobile games, and it's not. Ju- it's just yeah. not catered to us. It's not catered to people like us. And that's the difference. But it's a fraction of a fraction of them that are good. And it's like, it, you're right. In like your it's, it's fine if. But but it's like, it's not. Like, it, there there is like, I'm sorry. I, I think it's objective that like, waiting is not a game mechanic. Like, those are not well-made games. They're games that exist to play into like, psychological ticks. And like, they're not fun. And a lot of people that even play those games, like, they're time wasters, you know? Like, and it's fine if that's the thing. I'm not saying that there's no reason those games shouldn't exist or that they're not, you know, but, like, I've made this comparison before. It's, like, they're, like, porn compared to a film, you know, where it's, like, and I don't think everything needs to say something or whatever, but, like, at the, like, at the end of the day, a video game should be fun. You know, and a lot of those games are like the the mechanic is not a mechanic. The mechanic is don't play the game anymore or give us money so you can keep playing the game. And it's just like it's it's too much carrot and stick for me. And uh, and like I, I'm not saying that all mobile games are bad. There are plenty of examples of mobile games that make good use of the platform that I don't think are predatory that are well developed games. But there are so many fucking mobile games on the app store that are stolen assets that are the bare fucking minimum to be called a game so that they can cash in on, on whatever market they can muster. And like, that sucks. It's predatory. It's a race to the bottom. And I don't want to see that transfer over to, to proper gaming. And like, I don't think that, um, that, that this is going to incentivize you to actually like get into a real game because I don't think that they're the same thing at all. You know, like the, the, the person that is actively engaged in something like, you know, Pokemon Go, I, I think to Andy's point earlier, is, is not necessarily going to be interested in playing a, an RPG proper. And I think appealing to those people isn't necessarily a problem, but I don't, I don't like the idea of trying to engender an audience that is willing to pay $60 for what is essentially a free-to-play mobile game with some extra content. Like, I, I don't think that's a positive thing for the industry. And I think you look at the mobile market and how that affected uh, broader games. And I, I think it like I think people ignore that a lot. Like, I think a lot of the criticisms about uh, mobile games are super like 
on point. Like I think like you look at the Steam Marketplace or the PlayStation Network or Xbox Live, and there's a caliber of games that we've decided are acceptable now. Life of Black not- Tiger is on the PlayStation Network, and that is one of the worst right. things I've ever seen. And or, it's or, like just insane the that they accepted games- it. Or the mobile games that get put on PlayStation Network just so that, like, oh, yeah, like, it's, uh, there was, like, this fucking wallpaper game that came out a couple months ago where it's, like, it's, like, $5 for you to click through some wallpapers and get a platinum trophy. And it's, like, those, that caliber of software was not acceptable before the mobile market. And I, 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 I genuinely believe that the problems with Pokemon come from a desire to not alienate the mobile generation. And I think that's a problem. I, I don't think that's good. I don't think that's healthy, and I don't think it's sustainable. Um, so that that's where my concerns come from. You know, it, it's it's like if this just exists and it's not for me, but it's for somebody, and I can still get the thing that I want. I don't. That's no skin off my nose. But it, it is concerning to me the idea of like continuing to strip away core mechanics from games that are deeper, that offer something more, that ask more of the player. And and frankly, you know, I, I said this in, uh, in private to uh, to the comics pals when this news came out, like, if Pokemon is too hard for you, it's, it's, it's not accessible enough for you, especially at Pokemon Sun and Moon, like, maybe you shouldn't be playing video games. Ouch. You know, like, t- it's just the truth. Like, po- like, video games are not supposed to be a passive experience. They're not. Like, they're they're supposed to be a thing that you engage with. And I'm not a gatekeeper. I want everyone to play video games, but I want everyone to play video games, not fucking tapping simulators. You know, like it's not that's there's nothing there. It's vapid. And like, I don't I don't think it's like it's it's not a thing I want to see more of, especially not in the console space. So. I I'm fully prepared for you to like to just snap back on this one but every, everything you just said about mobile games is how i feel about animal crossing that's something i can agree on <laughs> so uh, okay i mean like <laughs> i i suppose i can see where you're coming from on that that like it is uh it's a game that is built around mechanically playing for short bursts. Waiting is a big part of it. All those things are true. Um, but Animal Crossing is also a really deep game with a lot of systems that exist under the surface that if you're interested in, in exploring them, they exist. And I think looking at Animal Crossing Pocket Camp shows distinctly the difference between what a mobile game is and what an Animal Crossing game is. Personally. But point taken. Yeah, like I, 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 I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, it's like I, I like I have no problem with things like Animal Crossing existing for the people who want Animal Crossing, but it's like that's the thing I don't want, and that's basically how I feel about mobile games and, you know, this Pokemon thing is like maybe it's not for me, but if if somebody's gonna get something out of it, I don't think that hurts the brand. Like if. I, you know, I worry about the bleed over between the two franchises. I wish Mario they could just, you know, Mario teaches typing. Yeah, <laughs> but it's fucking Mario, man. I mean, and like, yes, it's Pokemon, but it's just I don't know. Doesn't see it. It's not a great first impression for me. You know, like that's the first big yeah. thing on the Switch, really, that I'm seeing. And it's like I don't know something about it just still rubs me the wrong way. Like I can't explain it, really. I guess 
I echo a lot of Pete's sentiments. Um, I just wish that we could say that like, this is a clear line in the sand. This other game is for, you know, like it's what it is. I, I don't know that the new core game is not going to have stuff from this. Um, so, or, or just be more of the same. Like right. if, if the main core game is still so that's, handholdy that's what and I mean. simple, right. Then I like, then I'm like, all right, you know, honestly, like if, if that's what we get, like if gen eight is just like more sun and moon, but with better graphics, I'm, I think I might be done. I think it's my last you know? one probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably my last one. If that's what happens, unfortunately. And, and, uh, and, and like and that like, really sucks. Cause I love the series, you know? Yeah. And I do too. And, and, you know, like, I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with like that happening at some point of just being like, maybe this isn't for me anymore, but I think that's dumb. Because there's a huge audience of adults that are interested in the core mechanics of Pokemon. And I don't I don't think there's any reason that Pokemon has to be a franchise that can't appeal to everybody in the same way that Mario is, in the same way that Zelda is, in the same way that Splatoon is. Like, that's what Nintendo does. And Pokemon, for the first four generations, did that really well by having a main game that was simple but provided a bit of a challenge and that had a deep, robust main game and metagame for people that wanted it. And I I don't think that there's any reason that we can't have our cake and eat it too on this one. Um, and maybe that's me being the old guy still wanting to play the game for kids, right? Maybe that's just where we're at. Could be. But I don't, I I, I don't way, think though. it's that simple. I don't think it's that simple. I really don't. And I think anybody that feels that way is probably not actively engaged in the adult Pokemon scene. Meh, fair point. You know, point. of like, you know, like there there's a huge huge audience of people that love competitive Pokemon battling. And I think it would be really silly to just be like, well, fuck those people. We'll get the kids. The thing is, like, if Jenny comes out and it is more of the same, we will just probably go on Pokemon Showdown because that's all that we're going to do. that's what I'll do. I won't won't buy the game and I'll just battle with the new mechanics and the new Pokemon. And and Nintendo will miss out on my money. And that's dumb. Like, I, I, I think this does present a really good opportunity for them to segment the franchise and say, okay... We have these two distinct markets. Let's appeal to them. So maybe this is a little doom and gloom. Maybe Thompson and I are a little bit, you know, trigger shy. But I think if it was any other franchise, I wouldn't be concerned, right? Like when they announced Super Mario Run, I wasn't like, oh, God, yeah, Mario's yeah, dead. I totally agree, man. Yeah, yeah. But like Pokemon has been actively affected by mobile games over the last decade. And that is scary. This is a doubling down on that in a way that I'm very uncomfortable with. Maybe that's and what got me. I hope I'm, proof, you know? I hope I'm proven wrong. Um, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one, uh, listeners at home. If you guys want to let us know what you're thinking about Pokemon Let's Go, the future of Pokemon, uh, the potential for um, a revolution in, in Gen 8, let us know what you're thinking. Hit us up at the video game pals at gmail.com. Get us in the comments down below. Hit us up on social media at the comics pals. And uh, tell us what you're thinking about all this. Are you going to pick up Pokemon Let's Go in November? Um, and do you think we should? Why or why not? Um, very, very interested to hear everybody's thoughts on this one. So before we get out of here, we're going to do some plugs for the last time. Peggy, let the listeners at home know where they can find you, what you're doing, where you'll be doing things moving forward. Yep, yep. So I can't announce anything just just yet. But uh, if you want to follow me, definitely. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Peggy. Look, man. <laughs> this is leak season. No, 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 no. Not, you're not getting leaks from me. No, please don't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you do want to follow my Twitter, it is M-O-I-R-A-I-O-W. That's M-O-I-R-A-I-O-W. Um, I've been producing a lot with Broadcast GG, still writing with Winston's Lab, doing a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, Jinx TV as well. So, like, 
definitely, you know, give me a follow if you're interested in, in knowing about the esports. Yeah, especially because we will not be talking about them anymore. <laughs> when I come back, it's going to be all esports all the fucking time. That, that the one episode. Uh, yeah. Only Rip. LCS. Hell yeah! Jesus Christ, why? Go Dignitas, circa 2014. All right, Andy. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore millions. Um, I'm a cool guy. You can follow me. I don't really tweet that much, though. Um, hit me up if you want to, you know, join me in standing against Pete's doom and gloom about Pokemon. Let's go. Um, I'm just, I'm just scared, Andy. I'm just scared. Listen, I understand you're spooked. It's, it's okay. Too spoopy. Thompson. <laughs> trash. Aww, it's adorable. You're uh, fucking trash, Peggy. <laughs> I don't know. Peggy doesn't, you know, go down to one electric attack, so. <laughs> yeah, because I've had multiple. <laughs> Let me just zap Peggy with some lightning. That's, that's a Peggy's been electrocuted twice joke. All right, <laughs> go ahead. You can find me on Twitter at Relic Vampire. I don't know what you want to talk about, but talk about any kind of game because I play everything. If you want to hear war stories about the Norse and how we survived and how I don't know what's going to happen next, but maybe maybe there'll be more war. I don't know. But maybe we'll go fuck with someone even bigger than us next. I, we didn't even start this one. So now we got a severance package. Let's go fuck with people. Tell me what to do. I'll figure it out. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll probably have to play Pokemon Let's Go on, on like when it comes out. So you can you know shame me into playing it too. Oh, am I going to have to buy that game for this fucking show? It's co-op. Uh, oh, couch play, oh, and we're going to have to play yeah. it. I have to have takes. I can't just blindly hate it either. Yeah, and we're going to have to play it because it's... it's... God damn it. I'm going to spend $60 on this piece of shit. Okay. Yeah. If you want to find me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Talk to me about Pokemon. Ease, ease my uh, fears or feed into them. <laughs> uh, the choice is yours. If you want more content from me, you can catch me on all of our other programs. I'm on the Comics Pals with Sean. You can find him at Sean Soapbox on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, this week, we reviewed... Uh, Man of Steel number one, Brian Michael Bendis' new uh, Superman series we reviewed, Amazing Spider-Man 800, which is the penultimate issue of Dan Slott's run, and then we also reviewed Doomsday Clock number five, which I think is going to go down as one of the best comic books ever written. Um, so go check that out really? if you're a comics fan. Yeah, I have hot takes. We'll talk about it off mic. Uh <laughs> Go check that shit out. Me and Thompson are on our, our uh, weekly Let's Play show, Pals Play, Monday through Thursday. We're going to be back with Pokemon Quest this week. We'll do some other shit. If you got suggestions, let us know. We're in a bit of a lull right now uh, with new titles, so we're looking for stuff to play. Um, if, or if you want to see more of some of the other shit we've played, go check that shit out. Um, and let us know. And then you can also catch me on the Riverdale Review, the final episode of the Riverdale Review, going to be posting uh, this upcoming week. It's going to be the series finale, or season two finale recap. We're going to have some of our all-time favorite guests coming back to the booth. We've got uh, Gabby, we've got Olivia, we've got Jeremy. It's going to be a great time. Notably missing season two, episode one, greatest guest of all time, Andy Brown. (laughs) Andy Brown, I've invited you on that show multiple times, but you're behind. So far behind. There you go. Blame the CW so, for pulling out of Hulu. Yeah. Uh, so go get go catch all that stuff. Uh, we're doing good stuff. We're doing good work here. We've got a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline and um, some big changes coming to the channels. So uh, go check that stuff out. Keep up to date with us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see, and uh, we'll we'll keep this train rolling. So Peggy, it has been it's been a mixed yeah, bag, that's fair. but. Uh, I'd like to say it's mostly been a pleasure, but I'd be lying. Yeah, that's fair. Just kidding. 
Peggy, we love you dearly. You're you're one of my dear friends. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to see you grow into the journalist that you are and get to work with you again on this project. So we wish you nothing but the best. And, uh, you know, I'm sure this won't be the last time we work together, but uh, we'll certainly miss your voice on this show. So best of luck and, um, you know, all that. Aww, Peggy, I'll thanks. break Pete's heart twice as hard for you. Andy, you're my favorite. <laughs> Don't tell the others. With takes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end of the... It's like the end of the Wizard of Oz when Dorothy goes back to Kansas. You can say my you can say my excitement's bubbling. <laughs> Can't wait for Andy to reach a boiling point with Pete. Good fucking lord! Alright, so that's gonna wrap it up for this Such episode of the video reception. game pals. Oh. Top five anime betrayals. Top one anime betrayals. <laughs> I'm trying to end the episode, alright? We'll see you next week. Love you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.